They say that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, generally that's a true statement. But in this case, there really isn't much mind left in D. Scott's head anyway, so the only thing we're really wasting here is your time. Welcome inside the mind of D. Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. All right, another episode of uh, Inside the Mind of D. Scott. I would be D. Scott, as always. First of all, thank you so much for listening. Share it, subscribe to it, follow it, uh, like it, do whatever it is that you got to do to it. Super excited about this episode. Uh, known the guy for pretty much my entire life it is basically what, we, what it boils down to, although I don't remember a lot of the early years, but who does at this point? Um, Matt Halleck, uh, let's just give you a quick Quick breakdown, inducted into the Mount St. Mary's College Athletic Hall of Fame back in 2015. Talk about a ridiculous collegiate uh, career that this guy had. Uh, leads the sc- Still has school records in on-base percentage and batting average. My man hit 518 his junior year in college, has played at Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, not the new one that looks more like a, uh, like a theme park. Uh, he played at Shea Stadium. Dude's been just, I mean, it's, good Lord, I had no idea you were that good at baseball. What's up, brother? Nothing much, man. D. Scott, how you doing? Um, blessed, man. I, I mean, amidst everything that's going on, it's, uh, I'm, I'm blessed. And, and you'll hear, and I'll throw a caveat out to everybody. Shout out, obviously, Conley High School real quick. But, uh, yeah, blessed. You'll, you'll hear the word perception and then perspective from me. But uh, yeah, man, real excited about uh, the opportunity to be on the podcast. Uh, talk about old times. We got a lot, a lot <laughs> of uh, content to, to go through just based on history. So it should be a should be a fun show. Um, and uh, Anita and Marie, our, our mothers, uh, don't don't chastise uh, chastise <laughs> us for language <laughs> uh, you know we're getting texts after this one you guys did what <laughs> right <laughs> like what do you mean you threw a shirt in the fire when you were drunk? <laughs> yeah good lord uh, god bless my father's oxford uh that went down in flames that night but yeah plenty of stories like that and, and <laughs> looking forward to it man <laughs> uh first of all I want to, I, I've never, I don't think personally congratulated you and it's been a long time since you, we've been in, in the college years, but, um, congratulated you on getting inducted into the Mount St. Mary athletic hall of fame. That is awesome. Um, accolades aside and the fact that you went 0 for eight at Chase stadium, you did get to play <laughs> in the Mecca. Like you, pl- I mean, I'm not talking the Madison square garden Mecca. I'm talking for Yankee fans, the stadium, like, dude, how like how is it it, Jesus I'm struggling to find the way to word the question how did you get your mind right when you stepped to the plate for the first time at Yankee Stadium um I didn't okay Uh, (laughs) so uh you know and we're going to be showing our age a lot in in the in this podcast right now um whatever so you know take take myself back when I'm 18 years old you know had you know lucky enough and blessed to uh, make the New York State um, Division Three uh, um, All-Star team to be able to play against the D3 team was playing against D1 um, New York State All-Stars, um, and it was at Yan- the house that Ruth built. So hmm. when I got that call, I was uh, essentially at 18 years old shitting my pants. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, go, going into it, just the drive right in for, for anybody that has, you know, driven down 87 into the Bronx, um, you know, a, as a Yankee fan, the excitement of just going to see a game, right? And, and I've gone, I can't even remember how many times with, you know, my father, my family, you know, mom, Michelle, my friends, um, just to watch the Yankees in the 80s into the 90s. Um, but then to have the opportunity to go play and then get kind of the itinerary to say, okay, you're going to be able to warm up, not on the field batting practice, but go in the cage underneath the right field seats, uh, warm up there. Um, we were in the, the visiting locker room, which was a trip, um, you know, walk through the tunnel to, to go warm up and stretch and take the field. And you're walking down the tunnel that, and your head is just, it, you can't put it into words what's going through your head as anybody at any age, but an 18 year old, you know, Yankee fan, um, you know, mega fan that you're going to be stepping on this field to play a baseball game. Um, and, and, you know, w- was lucky enough my freshman year uh, to be in the home dugout and we can get into some other stories, but yeah, it was, uh, I was pretty foggy for a good hour to an hour and a half, as well as my first at bat. Um, first at bat, what do you do at the plate? Uh, I take a 1-0 fastball <laughs> off the right center 385 wall for a triple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to talk about rising. Clearly, <laughs> you weren't too nervous. Um, no, no. Well, it was funny. I was, I was walking to the plate, warming up on deck. I, I mean – the stadium is empty. You know, there's, there's a couple hundred parents, family, friends. There's obviously some scouts there behind the plate, um, which at the time, luckily enough through my freshman year, wasn't anything new. So that wasn't, but just warming up, you know, <laughs> trying to get warmed up to go up to the plate. And then I was walking to the box and I stood in the box and in my head, I was like, I'm taking this pitch. I don't care where it was. I was, I was like a, I was like a frozen statue. If you pushed me over, I would have hit the ground like a statue because I, I was just, you know, who's been at this plate, the moments that have happened at this plate in the stadium, um, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, the kid from Rutgers that was throwing, you know, threw about a 91, 92 mile an hour fastball missed. And then, you know, I, I, in my head, wherever the next pitch was, I was swinging. Um, it could have been behind me and I probably would have took a cut, but he threw a ball up in the zone, out over the plate, and uh, and just let it fly. And then when I hit it, I was like, holy shit, this thing might be going out. And at the time, at 18, my father in my head was hustled out of the box, so I was jamming it out of the box. Right. And then I was so nervous because the third base coach I never worked with, he was giving me singles, signals I didn't know, and I kind of stumbled going into third. Like, I didn't want to really slide, but I was standing up. So, yeah, stand-up triple, first at-bat in the stadium bonkers man and and here here let's just recap that story real quick for everyone listening tripled off the 385 sign in the old yankee stadium um aside from people that play professional baseball you are the only person i know that can say that to anyone and it's true like you know i'm i could say i did it but people will be like no you didn't uh no you didn't you didn't play there. You could say it. And, I, and a funny story was I was still at home. And um, so I opened up the Times Union 
like, I, the only thing I ever read in the Times Union was the sports section. And as I'm going through, I see Halleck and then the rest of the, the, the headline of whatever it was. It was like, I don't even know, maybe like three pages in. So I'm like, Halleck, I know that name. I was like, I know a dude named Halleck. What is this? So I read the article and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I was like, yo, okay, A, Matt played at Yankee Stadium. B, he tripled off the 385 sign. Like I, I literally will tell people now, like till this day that I know that are Yankee fans. I'm like, yo, you got to hear this. I'm like, yo, you think you got some cool stories about Yankee Stadium? I'm like, how about my boy played on the old field and did what he did? And now you're on the podcast. So Jesus, look at you <laughs> really succeeding. <laughs> look, look at me now, right? <laughs> yeah. Look, look how far we've come. Um, you shared a thing the other day. I think it was on your story. You, you pulled out, uh, you've been, I, you, you're just kind of like going through all your old stuff that you still have from years ago. Did I see something that you had signed a pro contract at one point? Yeah. Right out of, uh, so I was, uh, lucky enough to spend five whole years at Mount St. Mary. So I, uh, my eligibility ran up um, athletically and uh, uh, took me five years. I took some time. I enjoyed college, Dennis. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, took five years. So, um, you know, after my fifth year, I signed a professional independent contract um, with the Huntington Berg uh, Du Bois Dragons out in Jasper, uh, Indiana, which was a trip. Um, <laughs> so I was lucky, lucky enough to go out there and, you know, to the Midwest, which was the first time ever out in Indiana. Um, the, the home field that I played on was actually where they shot a league of their own, uh, oh, the nice. locker room, Tom Hanks takes his long piss. That was my <laughs> locker room. So yeah, I, I, that was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it was that, that extension. A lot of people don't know you know, too much what was going on there because we were out of college and, and, you know, was playing, you know, at the lowest level of professional baseball, but, you know, still signed a contract, got paid, tore my rotator cuff, like three practices in, had the opportunity to come back next year, get surgery or had an injury clause in my contract. And I took the money and ran and I bought a freaking jet ski with it. <laughs> All right. <I'm>, let's... <laughs> Listen, you got to do something with the money. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we played, I only played freshman and JV ball with you and then played like, I, I don't even think, I don't think I ever played against you. Like I, no, I don't, you know, we, we, cause I played at West Albany, you were playing at Colony when it came to like league ball. Um, and then we never faced as all-stars, uh, Mickey Mantle, whatever it was. I don't ever remember playing for you, playing against you, but I do always remember you going, I'm gonna play for the Diamond Dogs. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we tried to run through that avenue, which was crazy because uh, you know, again, last my senior year of college, um, you know, our team was the first sports team in Mount St. Mary's history to make the NCAA tournament nice. in any sport. Right. Um, so that was huge. My senior year for shout out to you know anybody at the Mount um as well but uh you know when they were playing the first round uh the new york regionals were going to be held at um heritage park which god i mean we all have memories there right oh yeah. uh, we could probably have a whole segment on albany county yankees there um <laughs> but uh was fired up about that because the diamond dogs you know at the time were were playing um 
you know, in that location as well. So we, you know, we were doing a ton of marketing and pushes, you know, a local kid coming back, take a look at them, you know, could be a good draw for them. Um, but yeah, it never panned out. That's so, all right. Cause once the Valley cats came in, uh, the diamond dogs really, really just fell off. But that was because like when they opened Joe Bruno stadium for when they built it, it was like, it, it's literally a, it's a nice minor league facility especially for what it is considering, you know, it's the short season, like single a fresh out of high school affiliate for the Astros. Um, right. The, the, the stadium itself is beautiful heritage park. They didn't really put they, like, they didn't want to put any money into it and weren't into upgrading it. So like heritage park, when it closed pretty much looked like heritage park, when the Albany colony A's played there, you know, they never really, upgraded anything and the and the valley cats came in and just wiped them right out and i think they were like in the same league the new york pen league so i think once the valley cats came in the diamond dogs maybe lasted two seasons yeah you gotta uh and it, it's a good we'll talk about you know connotations to life you gotta evolve change and adapt and that's definitely one thing you know ownership of heritage didn't do um but speaking of joe bruno did uh you've got some cuts there correct yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, we had, they do a thing called the Capital Region Series there, where it's like like five or six local banks play. I think there's like maybe a beer distributing team, some other play, like some other places have teams. And uh, the one year they decided they were going to put it, put together a media team just for fun. And they reached out to us because Valley Cats and us here at iHeart Albany have a working relationship where we get to go out, hang out for games. I've thrown out a couple of first pitches and stuff. And they're like, so I get an email. It's like, anybody play baseball want to do this? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So uh, we're playing fast pitch, wood bats. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a nightmare, man. I hadn't played since, you know, I was, I was like 18 the last time I played actual baseball where someone was trying to strike me out. Like I played softball and like slow pitch. Um, and I, ended up, I actually pitched too, which was hilarious. They're like, we need pitchers. Anybody pitch? I'm like, yo, I pitched when I was a kid. Um, but I also neglected to remember that I had blown out my elbow when I was like 15 years old and it never really healed because back then, you know, we weren't getting Tommy John surgery. We weren't doing anything. And uh -huh. uh, and I pitched three innings, and I don't think I could lift my arm for a week. It was awesome. It was, it was amazing. I would, like, my, my daughter was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, daddy's old and broken. <laughs> like, that, that was it. Um, oh, and for every game that I played on the Joe Bruno field, I think I fouled off two pitches. Uh, I am, uh, I believe, 0 for 8 in the series lifetime. So, that your your career at Shea Stadium and mine at Joe Bruno, pretty much the same. Yeah, right, 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 right in line with the same. Hey, we we Although, got a lot of common similarities, but at least our our staff are the same. And I'll go down and Dennis, you know, and I, you know, you and I chat frequently. I will go. I mean, baseball is one of the hardest sports, right? You're hitting a round object with a round object. When you're on offense, you don't even have the ball. Right, like, you're on. <laughs> You like, <laughs> yeah. like it's such an odd sport. Um, so 
so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, anybody that has a passion for any sport that they've ever played or if they're a fan, um, I, yeah, I will battle them in a very, you know, good discussion um, on what the hardest sport in the world is. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, it's funny you say that because essentially when you're on offense in baseball, you're literally playing defense because someone's hurling a ball at you at like 90, if you're lucky. Um, oh, and that was the other thing too, is the dudes that I played with, like some of these banks would have like ringers. So they had like this one kid was playing for key bank. He's throwing like 83 miles an hour. I'm like, what kind of shit is this? Like, <laughs> this is a charity event. And it's funny like, you speak a ring. This, yeah, God, I know I'm jumping all over. That's jumping fine. all over. Um, because my head's spinning out of control of <laughs> discussions, <laughs> but it, it brings me to a story of freaking Tobin Packin. Um, that I don't remember who I was with. They, they turned it into a, a paintball facility, I believe at some point, I don't know God. if I was going for college. Um, but I went with a couple of buddies and God, if, if anybody's listening and, and knows who I was with, please let me know. I'm losing my memory with old age, but yeah, we went in, you know, and there was another group of guys behind us and they were all ex Navy SEALs and they kicked Wait, the shit out of them. That's not fair. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> what the hell is that? Like, uh, what? Like, guys, you you have training in this. This is not fair. Like, no, it's like, not fair. We just wanted to have some fun paintball with other kids, and they had high-powered paintball missiles and like rocket-propelled grenades, and they're doing like cadences and and setting up like different situations. And I was like, what the f, f is going on? You were you're dead sitting, in like five minutes. You're sitting there and they're they're giving each other the hand signals, like you know, like you're like, dude, I just there's I just a chance I'm not even sober when I'm here. <laughs> More than likely, you're right. And you're like, you guys have been trained. This is bullshit. And I I quit. I'd be like, I want my money back. You didn't tell me that there was gonna be Navy SEALs here shooting paintballs at me. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't this isn't fair at all. Not even a little bit. So oh. Well, as we as we as we jump around, and I, I'll apologize now to anyone that does listen, and you know that, especially on Facebook, our friends are going to be, you know, listening as much as possible and and checking this out. We're going to be all over the place. There's there's nothing we can do about that. Um, I mean, that's how. First of all, that's how my mind works. I know that's how your mind works. So there, you know, and if you listen to any of my podcasts, they're all over the place. Like nothing is formatted it, it's literally just bouncing around um my earliest memory i think of you one of my earliest memories uh in 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 growing up i mean I, I clearly you sent me a picture where it was you and me at some parade i have no idea where that was you had like the killer little blonde fro going on and my mother had me in a red and white whatever the hell that hat was um I don't, I don't remember that at all, but I do remember, um, I think, I think the actual way that our moms met, so I think my mom sold Avon to your mom. Correct. You're 100% correct. Yeah. That, that was a great guess. Go me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember coming over, I think my mom had some stuff for your mom. And it's weird to say that. Cause it's like, she was delivering Avon, but now it's like, well, my mom was dropping off something to your mom. Like, yeah, yeah. was it drugs? No, it wasn't drugs. <laughs> It was, it was Avon. Um, it was Avon. You had the chicken pox. And you, you were in 
like I go over there and then they're like, yeah, no, Matt has the chicken pox. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going anywhere near him. And I remember walking in, you were in a dark room watching TV and I kind of had to stand in the doorway. Um, Cause they were like, don't go near him. Cause you'll get it. And I was like, okay. And then I think the most vivid memory of when we were children was uh, Sand Creek middle school. It was winter. And we rolled, my mom and I, you know, my mom's like, well, I'll take you sleigh riding. So I'm like, okay. And we, we roll up and there's like a crowd of people around one of the signs that are there. We're like, oh, this is different. What's going on? Come to find out it was you. (laughs) um, And you had run into the pole with your face. Yes. With my face. (laughs) Yeah. With your face. And my mom was like, oh, my God. Like, and I'm sitting there. I was like, holy shit. Like, Matt's, Matt, Matt's nose exploded, which was, I mean, not for nothing. That was a little traumatizing for a kid. But I'm sure you were dealing with much worse than I was. So <laughs> I remember my mom's, like, scooping you up, brought you right across the street because you live right across the street from the school. Um, and it, what, you, like, broke your nose or your face or I'm not even sure. Yeah, I definitely broke my nose, man. <laughs> I, I remember that whole situation so vividly. So, I mean, if you break up, if, if you've ever had an injury, uh, a good injury yeah. <laughs> where you're breaking something or you're getting stitches and God, we could, I could probably talk an hour about my injuries. I'm sure you can probably talk about yours as well, but um, any of uh, any of our colony peeps, uh, you know, Sand Creek is, uh, that, that, that hill is a landmark in the winter, man. Um, you know, I, I have some stories of Zafan over at, uh, over, over at Albany Muni breaking his arm, going flying, but Sand Creek that you, you had to be a special person to go down that hill, um, with, uh, you know, six to 10 foot snow banks from the plows plowing the, the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and then it got worse as, you know, as the season went on too, because like everyone would go sleigh riding there. So you'd, yep. you, you know, you would, you would pack down that snow and it would freeze. So now it was essentially like a hill of ice <laughs> and you're like zipping down it. And that's, and they plowed, they, they plowed the parking lot right in front of the hill. So you, if you found the right spot, you could launch out into the parking lot, uh, which I'm sure we did. Cause we used to do like we in come high school, we would, you know, hang out at your house. And we would go to the hill at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night because yep. it, right, it was right across the street. And it was like you, me, Hoffman, uh, I think Linacree, Ditzel, everybody, you know, anybody that was around would go over there. And it was like, we, we're lucky we didn't kill ourselves back then doing that because like, I, I remember going down the hill at one point, like with my hat over my eyes and the, and the parking lot lights went out because like, with a knit hat on, I could still see a little bit. And then the lights went out. I'm like, this is bad. And I remember pulling my hat up and it was like, I pulled my hat up right before I hit the snowbanks and went out into the parking lot, which was outstanding. And it was yeah, not a so- that, Go ahead. And that was the thing is the landing pad on the backside of the, the snowbank ramps after, like you said, uh, you're going down the ice luge of the, of the hill. It was concrete. <laughs> like it was, it was literally the parking lot concrete. So it wasn't like, we were landing in nice, plush, fallen snow. Um, <laughs> we were 
on snow tubes once we got rid of the plastic sleds because snow tubes just went faster. Plus, they, they kind of flew out of the way right. um, a little bit easier. Um, but, yeah, we uh, we made some bad decisions growing up <laughs> looking back. Yeah. More than, you know what? But, I mean, you find me someone that when they were a kid didn't make some kind of bad decisions. True. I mean, dude, I, my father tells me stories about stuff he did. He grew up in South Troy, and he tells me stories. And I'm like, dude, the shit that we did was mild compared to what he was doing when he was growing up in the city. Um, oh. Like hopping freight trains and walking across, um, like, water tubes that are, like, 200 feet in the air. And, I'm, and, and then he gets, as he gets older and telling me stories about the fights they used to get into, I'm like good for you. Oh. I'm like we, we we kept it peaceful for the most part. Like I don't think there was never any like gang wars that happened with any of like the people we were hanging out with and fighting groups of people. No, not in colony. No, <laughs> no. But well, I remember your father telling us stories and and you know big big bless up the senior. Uh, I mean, going back to our days, I remember sitting in uh, the DJ booth running freaking vinyl from your father over at uh, over at Sienna during the freaking polka station. Yeah. And, and there there was the start of B. Scott. I guess. Um, I, I guess that was the launch of my I, radio career. I know. <laughs> I remember going there one night. I think we it was I think it was a Friday. It had to be a Friday. Um, and it, it was you, me. There may have been someone else with us. And there was a high school dance that night, but he had to stop at Sienna for something. And we went over and it was like Friday nights on VCR, the Sienna station. Um, it was mix show night. So like there was like DJs in there doing their show. And I'm pretty sure when we walked in, like the DJ that was in the little tiny booth was like smoking a blunt. And we're like, what's yeah. hap- what is happening here? Like what's, what? what's, <laughs> What's going on? I think we were in like 10th grade at the time. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. You're absolutely right. And then off to the dance we went to be a couple of white boys on the dance floor killing it. Oh, dude, killing it. I I still to this day love to freaking dance. Oh, God, man. We 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 uh we thought we were kid and play. We thought <laughs> we were we were guys that could have been on the you know the the first two male fly girls we we had no idea what we were doing but I'll tell you what we had fun and we put on a show and we didn't care what people think about us that was oh no absolutely um I I actually it's funny because I I've gotten shy with dancing I think uh so I rarely do it at this point if I ever do I know that I've done it a few times and I'm usually very sore the next day. <laughs> It just goes to show you that I'm extremely out of shape that, you know, and doing the running man and I'm, and I'm, and you know, I'm like, I'm 40, I'm 40 something years old. I don't blow out a knee dancing. And then how am I going to explain, explain that to people? So at this point I let my daughter do all the dancing. She, she's the one that does the, you know, the competitive dancing and stuff like that. And like, I don't know where she gets it. I'm like, daddy has rhythm. He just doesn't like, to show yeah. Off. you know, yeah. <laughs> blood man she killed it she so. killed it but there is a video out there everybody d scott was on stage after one of maddie's shows i know i saw it not put you on blast dennis but dennis <laughs> broke it yeah yeah he broke it down there is video out there somewhere 
that was a uh, that was a competition we did out in Utica, and they did a daddy dance off, and I wanted no part of it, man. I was standing like side stage. They brought everybody out. One of the dads that was at the studio at the time was like, "Yeah, no, I'll get out there." And they were like, "We need another dad from the world to dance or whatever." And I was like, "I'm not doing it." And we have this guy Bob, who is is massive. I mean, we call him Big Bob or Builder Bob. He's he's like six eight, uh, about two ninety, and oh, he grabs me. And it's not like I'm 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 like, what am I gonna do? Like, I'm not gonna resist that. The man. He's got like gorilla strength, just grabs me and pushes me out on stage. And I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Um, and then George, the other dad, he's the first dad from our studio to dance. And nobody told me he was a B-boy at one point in his life. He starts breakdancing. <laughs> and I was like, Boy, what kind of shit is this? He's doing like, the, he's doing the wave. He got down, he did the backspin. Like all kinds of like fluid, he was popping and locking. And I'm like, man, I could do the running man if I'm lucky. And then, um, so I did my thing. And then my daughter comes, like, she's looking at me and she does a split. Like she just drops down in a split. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not getting shown up. My daughter was like nine. I was like, I'm not getting shown up by my nine-year-old. So I do that leg kick out thing from uh, Naked Gun. That's your move. Yeah, they, when he was the umpire and he does this little kicks his back of his leg and turn and I did that and the place was like, oh my god! And I was like, yeah, it's like my only move. Like, sorry. That is the D Scott move. You're lucky to blow a handy. Yeah, thanks. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm lucky I just pulled it off and didn't just like fall. Just you know, like <laughs> kick my leg out. My legs like we're not getting back up, man. We're just fall over. So I was, I was, when I got up from that, I was really happy and like I was beaming inside that I didn't just embarrass the living shit out of myself for that one. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, when you start thinking about all the things we did at the dances, like when we would, I would jump over you. Yeah. And you would do like the dive behind me and I would come down in like that James Brown split. God, I'm lucky yeah, I didn't. Yeah. It was, it was the, for whatever reason, it was like a show. Like we were acrobats or we, at least we thought we were in our own head. <laughs> right. Um, where other kids are just doing, you know, dance moves of the, of the early nineties. You were literally running, frog hopping over my back. And we had like an actual routine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are like, what do you guys do on Friday nights? We do choreography with each other. We, just, we did. We did. <laughs> like, we had Hoffman and I had routines and we all had yep. stuff. It was just like, man, you would have thought that we were part of the Vanilla Ice Posse at that point. Three white dudes. Oh, just, for sure. You know, but man, it was, that, that shit was just ridiculous. I do want to talk about the pictures that you shared from the Colony Shaker game. For, oh, oh, Jesus. So, I mean, I'm sure... You know, for everyone that saw it on Facebook, I mean, for one, the comments blew up. That game, going into that game, you guys were both, what, 10-0? and 0? Yeah, we were 10-0, and 0, Shaker. It was on the schedule originally, so, and we, we had a second. We, so, Suburban Council, they were in the Sub Suburban Council with us as far as, like, our conference is concerned. Um, but we, we had, I think it was, like, game 11, and then game, like, 13 was at third place. 
Um, so we were both 10 and 0. First meeting was the 11th game um, at our place. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you, it was funny, and we'll, we'll get to some Jordan stuff, but uh, uh, traveling with Tremarkey senior year was, you know, at, you know, to put it in reference, if you're playing, it was like traveling with Jordan because every place you went to was sold out. If we were going to Bethlehem, we went to Gilderland, which uh, we went out to Burnt Hills, you know, the, the place was packed as a Joey. Right. Um, because he was such a stud. But that game, you know, was him and Golusky, Brian Golusky on the Shaker side. Um, North Colony versus South Colonies, Raiders versus the Bison. You know, we played these kids and we've known everybody. And this is the greatest thing about, you know, local, you know, old school local community uh, sports is you know all these kids because you play sports against them since they were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. And then you're in high school. Right. Uh, so, yeah, 10 and 0, Friday night. At the mug, uh, uh, bonkers. Oh, it was, I, I mean, <laughs> I was up in the stands, and it was just we were we were packed. I mean, the, the entire gym was packed. The, the opposite side, which now, like, if you go there now, it's weird um, because I think like the home side now is where the away side used to be. Like when we were in school, all the home fans sat on the side where the benches for the teams were. In the Correct. Away, yep. The away side was on the other side of the gym and now you go and it's like reversed, which is really, really strange. But I remember, I mean, I, I just remember how packed that place was, which I had gone to some games before the mug was built. Um, when what the Greg Kubek played for Shen. Yeah. Yeah. And he was supposed to break like the suburban council scoring record or something again. Like he had the chance to do it against colony, but the mug wasn't there. So that game was in the pit. And it was like, dude, I've never seen that many people in the pit ever. And it was, you know, media was there. We only had one set of bleachers that were maybe five rows. And, yep. you know, you had like five, 600 people in the pit. <laughs> like, and that place was a hot box, man. The pit was hot. Yes. Um, it, it was a yeah. mess. <laughs> like that that night and he didn't break and he didn't break the record the son of a bitch so all those people were there and he didn't do it i'm sure shen won but he didn't do it and it was but you were like falling over people in, in that place because there was nowhere to go yeah i remember uh i remember having access to that game too as a kid and uh you know again was blessed that the mug was built you know that <laughs> that held you know three at, you know at the time as a multi-use gym for the community is you know helped three four thousand so right. it was a big once uh once we could do varsity ball in that place fit, man jesus and then of course we, we circled back to the uh the colony shaker game and the football team and uh poor poor jake uh what the hell was his name i can't remember his last name mike's last name forest um, forest right he was the he was the poor soul that had to dress up as the one person from Shaker, all blue and white. And I remember because at the time, for whatever reason, he had shaved the middle of his head, so he had like the reverse mohawk, like the old he man, did. you know. So he had hair on the sides and back, but nothing on top. They put a wig on him. Our football team came out dressed as Raiders, which are Native Americans, um, and they did a big ceremony and scalped them in front of the entire crowd. 
that was wild. And I remember leading into that the whole week. So there wasn't too many people kind of privy to it. I knew we were um, the, the basketball team. Uh, and, and, yeah, shout out. Our, our varsity team, football team, was awesome. Those guys are awesome. We still all, you know, communicate or, or at least, uh, you know, our, our friends on Facebook, which is awesome. But I remember they had to get that cleared with with our AD, Dave Faust, who was also our varsity basketball coach. Right. Um, and he was all about it. Um, his only concern, and I don't know if they told him that they were going to actually scalp somebody, <laughs> like <laughs> scalp as like a uh, uh, as like a shaker person. Right. Um, they, I think they just told him like they were going to run out and get the crowd hyped. Um, so I think that was <laughs> that was maybe the cards were held back a little bit. Um, but uh, I think Dave's only concern, if I can remember correctly, was to get because Shaker the visiting team always came out first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Winchell was up in the booth. You remember anybody remembers Winchell was up in the booth that used to play, uh, you know, play our intro music. Um, and Faust's only concern was them being on the court too long, hyping the crowd up, so we could go out and warm up. Right. <laughs> um, and then I think we had like two minutes after that whole situation. And, and it was, uh, it was something that, and I was glad to share it, man. I, I came across, like you said, I, I've been doing a, a rummage through my old stuff. Um, and glad to share it. You know, it, it, it popped off with, with our alumni. Everybody has a memory or a story or a comment. People were starting to share, share pictures and in, in different perspectives or locations. Um, it, it was something that I've never seen um, or you could do to this day. God, you could never do something like that now, but um, oh, wow. it, it had to be one of the best games or, or at least the beginning of it, maybe not the outcome, <laughs> but the best, uh, the best uh, one of the best times in the mug in, in colony history. Well, it was funny too. Cause after you shared that and I'm like, man, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble about that night because I don't know how many people actually remember the outcome of that game. I was like, we lost that game. <laughs> Fucking... Yeah. And then, uh, sure enough, Rex Carano pops on. Uh, did you guys win? Yeah. Like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was waiting for – and I love Rex, man. If anybody knows Rex, probably, you know, one of the best point guards that we had in college history. Um, graduated out the year before. Um, I was waiting for him or, or Richardson or, <laughs> you know, somebody, one, one of the, you know, 93, 92 hoop players to comment that maybe, you know, knew, I knew that we lost, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, I was waiting for somebody to bring that up. And sure enough, Rex came in and, and threw that out there. <laughs> well, I almost wonder if he knew that you guys did lose or if he was, you know what I mean? Or if he was just asking to ask. Cause like, how do you you come out and you lose after doing that? It was like, oh shit, oops. But yeah. you guys did redeem yourself at Shaker because you won at Shaker. Yeah, I think. Uh, and you brought up, you know, when we we've been chatting. Uh, you brought up a, a great play that I remember. I mean, I have a ton of them because I sat there one as a teammate and then secondly as a fan with Joey and saw the kid do stuff. Um, on the basketball court his sophomore, junior, senior year before he went to Quinnipiac and set all sorts of records in college. I saw him do stuff, you know, in games that I've never seen before, like live. Um, right. But then when you and I went to see Jordan play at the Meadowlands, but as far as like live as like a, a teammate, 
Um, and I got to see him practice too, like things he would do to, you know, which was closed to everybody else. But right. uh, yeah, Joey redeemed himself and, and led us to victory at their place, which was cool. Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing I brought up to you, Joey hitting that, uh, God, it had to be, what, like 35, 40-foot jump shot from the hash mark before the end of the first uh, first half at Shaker. Like, you want to talk about the, the, the away crowd really getting into a game. That's a hell of a way to close out the first half. And the fact that he did it from just inside half court was like, oh, okay. And then you guys went on to win. I remember being at the game where he scored, what do you have? Like, I think it was like his 2000th or 1000th career point or whatever, which I think he did at, was it Niskayuna or Bethlehem? Might be. Uh, yeah, Joe, Joey or Joel have to correct us on it. Um, but yeah, to go back to that half court shot, man, that, or, or like a step or two in, yeah. um, it, it it was it's funny because I, I I you and I are huge hoop fans. I'm just a huge sports fan in general, right? I don't right. freaking watch cornhole. You you know guys that slap each other. Now they have competitions. <laughs> like I'll watch women's volleyball gymnastics. I'll watch anything if it's on. Right. Uh, well, now you have I, to. I, yeah, I know. I know. Now but you I have a choice. These, like uh, I watch these ball kids and. Uh, not Lonzo, but his brother's a point guard there, and you know he points and he steps over, does half court shots. I'm like, Joe Shamarkey did that at Shaker, and Joe was stone cold. Right, Joey didn't show a lot of emotion. He right. wasn't, uh, you know, uh, as you know charismatic or you know as like I am or I was when I played. Right. I was very loud, obnoxious, <laughs> confident, <laughs> confident. Let's use the word confident. But uh, Joey was stone cold, man, and I. And I, you know, yeah, there was maybe 10 seconds left in the first. Um, and you could just tell he knew in his head and Golovsky was maybe back off him a couple of feet because hell, he was a step or two past half court and right. just free, no rim, drained it. Um, go, that locker room was, we weren't going to lose the second. We weren't losing that game. Right. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy, man. Varsity Hoops was was fun. I actually enjoyed, and I hate to say this, but I was better at baseball, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the most fun I've ever had um, in sports was was playing hoops. And, and you and I have got played so much on, you know, various courts around Colony. But the most fun, most fun I've ever had, like, as a kid playing any kind of sport is playing basketball all the time. Um, well, I just was blessed with skills playing baseball, but I just, I always loved playing hoops, man, as, as a kid. Well, and, and for you guys too, like, especially when it comes to like playing for like a school um, and up here, baseball doesn't get that much notoriety. Like, if you think about it, I had no idea Tommy Canely went to Shaker until he was on the Yankees. So, right. and, I, and I, still live in, I still live in Colony. So I hadn't heard about this kid who lives in the same town that I live in and he clearly wasn't a bad pitcher at Shaker if he was going to college and then becoming a professional pitcher. He must have been doing something decent in high school, and I had never heard of him. But when you go out and you play basketball, even lo- you know, locally basketball and football get kind of all the press coverage. Um, so for you guys to go out there, you were playing in front of a crowd, which was – and it was usually a really good crowd, especially home games. But – you know, so that's that, that's got to be a lot more fun. And granted, it's not like you didn't have a good time playing baseball. You were just playing in front of your parents or your friends' parents. 
You're right. But it's funny, you don't realize that, you know, as a young kid, and I, a lot of you guys know I do a lot of coaching and have coached at at least travel fast pitch levels, you know, coached, um, you know, Little League Baseball with my son. But you don't realize a lot of things, just in life in general, um, the impact they have on you. And then you can use them later, you know, in life, and just in life skills and in business and in your jobs or, you know, parenting or whatever it may be. Um, I got very, very comfortable in uncomfortable situations because of crowd and noise um, to be able to concentrate and lock in. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, senior year varsity basketball, because we were playing in front of, you know, capacity crowds with cameras in our face back in, you know, 93, 94. Um, A a lot of kids don't get that. Um, And and it it was, it was nuts, man. but then I was just, I was a hoop kid like you, man. I, I enjoyed playing on the, on, on the concrete a lot. Um, I enjoyed playing in, you know, local gyms anytime we could. When we were younger, you and I, we would, you know, run, run around uh, local parks and local gyms and play hoops. Oh, shit. The West Albany Pocket Park Community, Colony Community Center, which was like um, maybe a 20-foot court. Like <laughs> yeah, that, that place had some really good three-on-three, four-on-four, like, that was some of the most fun basketball. If I can, you know, go back, we we played at the Pocky Park. We played, you know, over at Sand Creek on the hardtop. I know you and I were talking about hardtop kicks the other day Mm -hmm. Um, because you would would blow through. If you played on concrete and the concrete that Colony had back in the 90s (laughs) and you were wearing regular, like, indoor hoop shoes, you would blow through those things in a quarter of a summer. So, we were talking about kicks the other day, but, you know, going back to the community center, that the hoops that were there was just pure basketball fun. There weren't any refs. It was all the local kids that, you know, weren't that loved basketball. Some of them were on the high school JV freshman teams. Some of them weren't. And it was just kids that just loved to play hoops. Um and there was some hard fouls. There was a lot of offense. You could do stuff uh, in the game, which I did it anyways. And my <laughs> father would yell to Dave Fowles, take him out. I'd try to be Michael Jordan going to the hoop and hit the underside of the basket. But you could do – it was fun, man. It, it's a, the Colony Community Center um, was some of the best times that I had with one you and just, you know, our local friends playing, playing basketball. Craziest story at the Community Center. Um... I remember rolling in there it was it had to be winter break or just after thanksgiving or whatever it was and uh i remember i remember showing up there greg half was there i think bach was there and a few other of our friends and when we walked in chucky dukes and all of his boys were there so it was like chuck chad dave gamble uh a couple of the other guys and at the time chuck was you know chuck was on college break he was playing football for boston college right and so we're like, I think maybe two weeks after the game where Boston College played Miami. And back, you know, when we were growing up, Miami football was like the program. It was either them or Florida State. Like you were, if you played that, you know, they, they, those were like the two big football teams. And Chuck uh, fumbled on national television. Yes, like, he did. On like the three-yard right. line. Like, like, so – uh, you know, and Miami goes on to beat Boston College, 
And here we are a couple of weeks later, we're all at the athletic club and we're in between, or not the athletic club, the community center. And we're in between games. So, you know, in between games, you go out and we're all shooting around or whatever. Uh, I remember I was on the sideline with Greg. Like they had that little like cubby area where you would kind of hang out. It was like a dugout. It was like a baseball dugout. Yeah. So we were (laughs) over there and I don't remember who it was, but he turns and looks and goes, yo, Chuck. And, you know, Chucky turns around. He's like, what's up? He goes, what happened against Miami? Oh, no. And, dude, I had – you want to talk about being able to hear a pin drop in a room full of – in a gym full of, like, 20 kids. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh. And Greg and I looked at each other like, oh, shit. And because this this dude knew them but wasn't part of the group that showed up together. And – Chucky just turned and looked and goes, eh, what are you going to do? And I'm like, thank God that ended much more peacefully than I thought it was going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah that could uh, have ended. God, the Deuce Brothers and Gamble, like you said, you're talking about, you know, when we were, you know, 15, 16 years old. They were obviously 18, 19, 20 in college. <laughs> they, were gr- they were grown men in high school, like their body builds. Like they, they looked like they were – 26, 27, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I played, we went uh, to the athletic club one time, and I think I was with uh, Chris Roseback and Nunzi and all them. And oh, yeah. Chad Dukes shows up. And at the time, I mean, we were a little bit older, so Chad was out of college. He was actually playing, he played a lot of arena football for like the Albany, uh, he played for the Firebirds and the Conquest. Firebirds, stuff. yeah. Yep. And he was an inside linebacker. And so we're, we're getting ready to, to start the game and everybody matches up and who draws Chad me, I got to guard Chad. You, you like, got. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And you played ball with me. You know, defense was really not my specialty. Like no. not on balls, not on ball defense. Like, I'll sneak up on you and swat you from behind, but I'm not really. So, so we get out there and I'm looking and I'm looking at Chad. I'm like, this is going to be bad. I was like, this motherfucker's huge. And I had to be 18, 19. So I think I was like a buck 50 at the time, if I was lucky. Um, if you were lucky. Yeah. And, and so I remember one play, he was trying to post me up. And I'm like, well, I'm going to front him for whatever reason I thought that was a good idea instead of playing behind him. Because once the ball gets in here, if he gets it, I'm screwed. And I remember him putting his hand on my lower back and pretty much just putting me wherever he wanted to with very minimal effort. He was just moving me around. Like I was his pawn. I'm like, what is happening? What I, I would like move like a foot and a half to the left. And it wasn't like my body had done that. He did that. Like he just kind of moved me. He's like, no, you could be over here. I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, great. Thanks Chad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Later as we were getting older through high school, college, the, uh, it was like the community center and I don't know how that morphs, but yeah, the athletic club, um, full court, um, full regulation court. There was some really good games because you would have a lot of kids, um, you know, that would play collegiately, um, or just were good hoopers in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they didn't play, um, you know, you know, for the high school, there was some good games, really good games um probably some of the best teams that i played as far as competition and basketball 
um, at the athletic club. And that, and that goes for the same thing with the Twilight League. When I came home in college in the summer, the, uh, you know, the, the Twilight League, um, you know, down at Bleecker, that was, uh, that was better baseball than I played in college. Um, oh, wow. So the athletic club was, was the same way as far as hoops. There was some, some battles at that place. It was a, that was a lot of fun, though. I mean, I remember because, uh, you know, we, we touched on Joey in high school. One of my favorite things about playing with him and just his demeanor in general was Joe was never I'm Joe Tremarchi. Um, nope. That, that he, he, there was no ego with him, which was awesome. Uh, remember, I ended up on his team for a pickup game at the athletic club, and he passed me the ball. He's like, shoot it. I passed the ball back to him. I'm like, you shoot it. <laughs> it was like – he passed yeah, it back. Yeah. He's like, no. You're the shooter. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, dude, do I have to call a timeout and explain to you who you are? <laughs> like, right. You know, so, but he was like, and essentially what it boiled down to was Joe was on that, I'm not here to be that guy. Like, he was there to play. Right. Like, he was literally just there to play. Um, he knew I had a decent touch. So he was like, no, you, and he'd like pass it back. He's like, you should. I'm like, fine. And I shot it and I missed. And I'm like, see? Like, <laughs> this is why I'm passing it back to you. Yeah, yeah man, like, that, you know, just like most of us, um, we stem from our parents. Uh, Joe Sr., God, I mean, and I, Joey, as far as junior, you know, I played baseball, basketball, and football with him since I was the hell seven years old. Right. Um, so, and, and Joe Sr. was always, you know, was always coaching, especially baseball over at Colony. Um, and, and that was the same demeanor, you know, that was, you know, being very humble, um, being extremely confident, but extremely humble. Mm -hmm. and, and Joey kind of took on that based on obviously upbringing. Um, and, and that's a, that's a great point to your story or at the athletic club. And Joe continues to be that same kind of guy right now, you know, very, very successful, you know, in, in colony with physical therapy stuff. and. Um, yeah, I, I find memories a lot. We all have a lot of memories with, with Tremarkey, oh, superstar, yeah. you know. He was just – and, and I, I love the fact that he knew who he was and it didn't matter who you were. Joe would talk to you if you were his teammate or, say, the least popular kid in the class. Joe had time for everybody and was just – he was a good human. You know, like that – essentially what it boiled down to was Joe was raised right and is a good human. Yep, agreed. And one of the funniest things is one of my salesmen here at the radio station, and I'm going to say this, and it, it's completely uh, tongue-in-cheek when he told me this. My, my salesman knows Joe and Joel. Uh, they're in the same circle as far as, like, Colony basketball and Little League and stuff like that. So they know each other. So I'm talking to this guy one day, and he's like, wait, you know Joe? And so we were talking about him, and, I, you know, it's was like, just simple stories back and forth. He goes, yeah, he goes, he's a really nice guy. He goes, God, I can't stand him. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, huh? He goes, he makes me look bad all the time because he's every, <laughs> because he's everywhere. He goes, he's at all of his kids games. He coaches, he does, you know, he's a part of everything that goes on with his three kids. And he's like, and I'm lucky I can make it to like anything. <laughs> it's like, right. All right. Fair enough. I was like, I get, he wasn't saying he doesn't like, like he really doesn't like Joe. He, he loves Joe, but he was like, he makes me look awful because he's all, he's there all the time. And not only is he there, he coaches, 
<laughs> like he's like, I yeah, show up any, on top of these coaches. Right. So he's like, I show up at like halftime if I'm lucky. And I'm like, right. hey, man. <laughs> I'm like, look at uh I go to dance competitions, so there's that. I'm like <laughs> so No, I hear you. I hear you, man. Yeah, great, great guy, fond memories of Joe. Um freaking stud you can be six four handle the rock shoot it you know get a fantastic education paid for you come back into the community and and, and help out people in colony um you couldn't script it any better so big up to Shamarki, man yeah no he is he has literally done it right and in 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 doing so like i said just an awesome human so props yeah. to joe not only props to joe how about props to joe's parents who raised him the right way which was yeah, you know. Sue and Sue and uh, Joe Senior again. So I had tons of memories with them. Um, you know, it, you know, unbelievable people. So uh, pretty cool. And they're they're very similar. Like uh, I mean, similar to Anita. They don't live down here, but they they love Florida, man. They they come down when that weather turns and gets bad, which is always getting bad now up in New York. If you <laughs> live in the Northeast and still in Colony. Doesn't, um, doesn't matter what time of year it is. It's just shitty yeah. weather up here all the time. You're, you're, yeah. You're like, getting tornadoes or, or ripping through houses up in, uh, up in Toga <laughs> yesterday. Um, if you guys want a break, um, my coronavirus run over the last two months have been a little bit different than, uh, than it has been up north. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, in leading up to this, like you and I have had a bunch of different conversation and, and you're like, dude, you got to get down here when you get, and I'm like, bro, if I could get on an airplane right now, <laughs> like I, I would be there, you know? Um, I know, I know my mom wants me and the kids to come down as soon as we can. Uh, and, and it's not just to visit her, but to spend some time with Chuck, who is, is, you know, not doing well. And that, that's right. not, you know, that's not going to be much longer for him, but it's like, we, and he wants us to come down. He wants to see the girls, which I thought was awesome. Um, but I'm like, we can't get on a plane. I'm sorry. But when I get down there with my kids, whenever that is, it's going to be like, look it, you're spending the day with Bopchi. They call her Bopchi, which is Polish for grandma. Because I'm going to see my friend who is probably, I think you're like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. What do you like? You're like 10 minutes south of Tampa, right? Yeah, so yeah, right around yeah, hour and a half, hour forty five, uh up to the villages. Yeah, because I I remember uh one year we went down and we went to one of the Yankee spring training games, which was awesome. But awesome. it took it took a while to get there and uh it, we had a thunderstorm, so the game was only like four out four innings long or five innings they played. Uh, they played the Tigers and uh which was fun because Johnny Damon had been traded to the Tigers at that time, so he was playing there. Mo pitched like in the second inning to get his work in because they knew the game was not going to finish. Um, and by the way, as far as like spring training facilities go, George M. Steinbrenner Field is fucking great. Like, unbelievable. Uh, like, unbelievable. You nail on the head, man. If, if you guys are Yankee fans um, and you have not looked into – coming to Tampa, Florida, on the west coast of Florida, which west coast is the best coast, um, in Florida at least, um, for a spring training weekend uh, to be enjoy the weather, enjoy the beaches, um, enjoy the restaurants, the breweries. But to come out to, to, to Steinbrenner, that facility 
And, and I'm doing a run with my brother-in-law, John, and he's been down for 14, 15 years since I moved down here. And we, we do one Yankee game every year at Steinbrenner, and then we go away um, mm-hmm. and hit all the facilities. We're, we're making a run through the, through the Grapefruit League in spring training. Nice. Steinbrenner by far, you know, blows and exceeds expectations. And, and the access that you have, you know, to yes. the players. Um, it's just, if you are a Yankee fan, um, look into it, make the plans, hit me up, DM me, PM me, call me, whatever. Um, it, it is something that if you're a Yankee fan from the Northeast, you got to come down and do. It's awesome. Well, and the thing is, too, it, which is funny, is I've had conversations with people, uh, just baseball stuff, and they talk about how, you know, the Rays, they're always talking about how the Rays don't get any fans and their crowds suck and yada, yada. And I'm like, well, first of all, you built a dome in Tampa, which, oh. which, which makes sense to an extent because it's not, you know, do you really want to play in Tampa in July outside? Oh. You know, but and then they go, oh, they're fans. I'm like, yeah, they only got a handful of fans in that area because the Yankees have been a part of that community for like 35 years, if not exactly. more. So it's like, yep. and, and how many transplants do you have in Florida that were from New York? Like they're like their fans are there and they just the way that the Yankees run with doing stuff with their community. And I know all professional sports teams pretty much do that kind of stuff. But, you know, the Yankees get a lot of publicity because of who they are. And if you're out in the Tampa community doing, you know, just stuff with the kids or, you know, camps or whatever it is, people are going to fall in love with them. So you got Yankee fans that are already there. No wonder the Rays don't have any fans. How the hell are you going to be a Rays fan? Yeah, it's crazy. I've gone to Rays games since I got down there in 04, especially obviously when the Yankees town and, <laughs> um, you know, old crappy dome that was built uh you know, in the, in the eighties and, and, you know, leadership and ownership got locked into a long-term lease. I personally, my opinion and, and a lot of the stuff I know that we'll talk about again, guys, it's just, it's my opinion. It doesn't really matter, <laughs> but I don't see, I don't see them being here that long. You got to generate revenue, right? It's a business. Um, when I go to those games, it, it, it's sad as a baseball fan um, because, you know, they're, they're, they are split. They, they have, just like you said, they have a lot against them with, with Northerners, um, you know, Boston, people from, from, you know, New England, obviously people from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania that are Yankee fans, um, if they're not, you know, Pirate or Philly fans. But it's like a split fan base. Like, you go there. Some, I've gone to games where there's more Yankee fans than Rays fans. And the, and the worst part about it is, you know, God bless the Rays for what they've been able to do with their payroll they put an amazing product because of development and we, you know, something I'm passionate about and I do within my you know, professional career. And you guys see me on social recently, you know, love giving back to the game of baseball and softball uh, training and development. Their, their minor league system by far, you know, blows everybody in major league baseball out of the water, but they put an amazing product on the field to right. go watch. They happen to be sitting in the AL East, but the Yankees and the, and the, and the Sox, um, it's just uh, location, location, location. When you come to real estate, it, it's in a shitty area um, over in St. Pete's. Um, you know, the ex, you know access to the stadium sucks. The stadium's old. It's shitty. Um, but but uh, I feel bad for the players more more than anything. And and the funny thing too is when you say location in St. Pete's, and it's not like it's not like I spent a lot of time there, but I do pay attention. We have uh, 
a cluster of radio stations down there. And it's actually one of my favorite radio stations, 93.3 FLZ, um, which I almost had a job there by almost. I mean, I got to the second round of demos being sent and then I never heard from them again. So, and I think it was like a six step process. So I got a step into it after sending my initial demo, but St. Pete's is not really a great area. No, not at all. Um, I mean, <laughs> St. Pete beach, if you're, if you're hitting, you know, the, the beach areas, gorgeous, um, absolutely unbelievable. You know, some of the top ranked beaches in the U S as far as beach towns, communities, and, and the beach itself on the Gulf of Mexico. Um, but if you're getting into like the nitty gritty of, of St. Petersburg, um, yeah, not the best area. And, and when you can only have access to drive into stadiums from certain locations, like they're, um, they're, they're in St. Petersburg. So like they only can get people from like the West. Yep. <laughs> like they're like just limited. So I do not see them being around, unfortunately, the Tampa Bay area too long, which, which sucks because if and when baseball comes back, um, you know, I won't be able to see the Yankees in the regular season, at least, you know, in, in Tampa. Um, but, you know, one of the decisions when I moved, made a decision, um, you know, back in 03 to move to Tampa, um, it, it's funny to say, but uh, one of the main reasons I moved down to, to Florida and to this city specifically was Yankee spring training baseball. I mean, that's shit. If I was if I was going down there, that would be a determining factor for me too. Be like, um, well, I mean, if you're giving me a choice, like I don't care about the Orlando Magic. Uh, I don't really care about hockey. Uh, I'm not going to Miami because I don't like the Dolphins or the Marlins. Right. Yeah, Tampa. There you go. We got and now you got Tom Brady playing down there. Yeah, wild man, Tom Brady, <laughs> and as you and I talked about, he's renting out and living in. Uh, Jeter's house. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is wild. Is it, is it the house that I've seen pictures of that are, that's right on the water? Yeah. So it's, it's unbelievable. It's on, a, um, on the North part of Tampa Bay, right outside of downtown Tampa, which sits right on the top of Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's on an Island, um, called Davis Island. And it's, it's all luxury high end homes. A lot of the, Tampa Bay Lightning live there. A lot of the Buccaneers live there. Um, some of the Rays live there. They dubbed it. Um, I think it was like St. Petersburg, um, even though it's in Tampa. But he basically bought up three lots um, and built this monstrosity <laughs> of a house um, that if you haven't ever seen Jeter's house in Tampa, just go to Google yeah. um, and type in Jeter's Tampa Mansion. Um, and it'll blow your mind. It doesn't do it justice when you can kind of see it in real person. And the funny thing is it's not gated. Like, it's not gated. Like, you can drive right up to the front of the house um, and see his house. Uh, you can get on a boat or a jet ski and drive right up to his dock. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, Brady's in Tampa, Gronk's in Tampa. Um, it, it's a the, – the Buccaneers have been – a, a crappy organization for a while with a lot of potential and um, bringing probably the greatest quarterback ever to play the game, in my opinion, again, right. um, and then a Hall of Fame tight end, um, you know, to the mix of the receiving core that the Buccaneers have right now. Who is um, such a, he's such a bro, though, dude. He's, oh. 
I'm like, man, you are tremendous at football and, and as dumb as the day is long. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Thank God you are strong and can catch because you, he's just not a smart human, but that's whatever. I mean, I'm not here to judge and I, it certainly, there's no need to because the guy is good at what he does. You know, he's not getting paid millions of dollars to be a scholar. Where did I lose you? You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I was, I'm, I'm scrolling through, uh, scrolling through, uh, Google as we speak. And I'm having a couple of course lights also big ups to my father, his favorite, go. uh, yeah, his favorite, uh, beverage before he shut down drinking beer if you ever drank beer with my father he um had an unlimited um access to throwback beers the man <laughs> loved beer um it was, it was amazing like i saw it at a young age and you know being a part of the halleck snyder kelleher um uh clan that was around a lot of you know big heavy beer drinkers growing up up in the adirondacks at Scroon lake at parties um, you know, 328 Sand Creek Road. I know I've teased that to a lot of you guys in Colony. Um, you know, the parties that were there under that Ken and the kegs. Um, yeah, Coors Light was my dad's, uh, my, my dad's beer at the, at the back end of when he was, uh, having some drinks and I'm having a couple right now. They're in inside his mind with D Scott. Look at you throwing in a plug in the middle of the, in the middle of the podcast, which is, which is amazing. I, uh, <laughs> I was I was not fortunate enough to drink with your father, which is probably a good thing because my tolerance is awful. Um, <laughs> though I like to think it's good, it isn't, uh, which then turns into just a shit show. And anyone that has drank, and anyone that has drank with me will tell you that I share way too much information. As I get uh, the drunker I get, and my friends are like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Bro, I would share this with you if I wasn't drinking." I'm not going to share this information on the podcast because there's far too many people that are going to be listening to this that need to know that stuff. <laughs> um, but, and you know, what's funny is as you know, when we got through high school and, and, you know, life takes you in different directions. So we, you went your direction. I was in mine and I worked at pizza hut in water and didn't realize for the longest time, that I was really good friends with your cousin, Stephanie. Yeah. Like, yep. Had no idea she was your cousin, none whatsoever. Um, and then come full circle later on through, you know, again, through travels and stuff. And it's like, wait, how do you know? Wait, what, you know, Matt, how do you, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah. And so that was kind of, uh, it was, a, it was like a six degrees of separation type thing. Uh, oh, dude. It, it, it colony as big as it is and i don't know i think um, i lose data and tracks of of things um i am very watchful of the area extremely proud to be you know born and raised and, and grew up in that community and have you know huge ties to it people that are still there god bless you know social and be able to uh you know look in and, and communicate and be social on social right. media right. um with with people um that are still in the area uh, and see their kids grow up and play sports and do different things. And, um, the, uh, it, it was, uh, it was kind of funny. I just lost my train of thought. He's got, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm all over. It happens. <laughs> Listen, it happens. You start talking and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, but, uh, no, to go back, to go back to, uh, to go back to staff. Um, 
yeah, everybody kind of knows somebody, right? I think there is, mm-hmm. you know, the Kevin Bacon effect in Colony. It's, it's a very big town, you know, as a suburb of, of Albany. But, you know, as, you know, the generations grow and more people are staying in the area, which is good. And I know I, I you know, moved to the Jersey Shore, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> and then moved to Tampa after that, um, you know, have have huge ties to to Colony and it, it's cool that you kind of were able to end up, you know, meeting her and, and to bring it back to kind of Seth and Jason and Justin and, and the cider crew, a part of my family. Um, it, the first part, and, and I know where I'm jumping all over the map. The first part of the first time I've ever seen J one. So Michael Jordan's first drop sneakers in 84. The first time I've seen them on somebody's feet, other than like on a random commercial on like ABC or NBC or CBS, which is like the only channels we had, we had back in the day, um, was, was, uh, Stephanie, uh, Justin and Jason's father, Gary, um, you know, uh, rest in peace, Gary. Um, they used to, my dad, him, uh, Harry, a bunch of guys, just like we did, they would go over, you know, in their thirties and forties and play pickup games at St. Creek school at night. And I would go over as a, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old and just watch them play, uh, pickup games, just like we did when we were, you know, when we were younger, they were, you know, older, obviously with kids, but Gary was the first guy I ever see to have those freaking red, white, black J ones on playing a game. And, and Gary could hoop probably one of the best players that I've, I've seen at that point, which was only nine, 10, 11 years old. Right. But that, yeah, Stephanie, Stephanie's father. Um, Take it back to your to your dad, because I mean, you and I cannot have a conversation, especially if we're put if we're going to record it and put it out there. Uh, sure. You know, everybody that knows your dad first and foremost loved your dad. Uh, dude was a legend. Uh, he yelled at me, which was hilarious. Now that I think back at it, and I and it's not like I'm the only person that grew up playing sports with you that can say that your dad yelled at him. But right. <laughs> The thing was, he was their coach. Yeah. He yelled at me during after like in, in the middle of an inning of freshman baseball. He was not our coach. That was how Berian. Like he was he was there watching. Right. And I was playing right field, which for me was different because I was a left fielder or center fielder. And you put me in right field, and you know damn well that the ball comes off the bat different in right field than it does in left field. Um, and so I misjudged, I, I will not make excuses. I should have made the catch because it was a real easy fly ball, but I missed it, uh, for whatever reason, maybe because I sucked. I don't know. Um, and I'm like, this is going to be bad. Like I got up through the ball in inning ends. And all I'm thinking in my head is I have to run past Mr. Halleck to get to the bench. This is not, this is not going to go well. I guarantee it. It's not going to, and sure as shit, dude, I got over there. He's sitting in his lounge and his like his fold out chair. And he's like, God damn it, Dennis, you got to make that play. And I'm like, I, I know, sir. Like, like, I'm like, sir, like shit. I know. And I sat down and I was waiting for Halberian to come over and go, what happened there? That man never came to me. I think he knew that your dad had already taken care of that. <laughs> already already done well, and, and, and it's, it's not like he heard it like Halberian definitely heard your dad I think we all did 
I definitely remember. And I was like, I will not do that. Will not do that again. <laughs> that is not going to happen. I have learned my lesson. Yeah, I was like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. And if I'm going to do it, I'm gonna make sure I'm playing left field, so I don't have to run past yeah, him. Yeah, I'm gonna be the other side of the field, exactly. <laughs> so that way, I don't have to. Although he probably would have come over to the bench and, you know, grab me by the back of the neck. Uh, I remember. Uh, when the one year I played Pop Warner and your dad, I think was like the junior midget coach. Uh, and I was playing peewees because I was so, you were, sp- yep. I was in seventh grade dude playing peewees. Like I was so small. Um, but I remember your dad and we were at Shaker, Shaker L and he was, you guys were on the other side of the big ass field that they have in the back of that place. And there was practices where I swear to God, I thought I had to run because your dad was telling his team to run. On the other side of the field. Yeah. I'm like, I'm looking at my coaches and I'm like, I don't know what to do right now, sir. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I feel like I should take a lap just because. Like, I haven't done anything wrong, I don't think. But Mr. Halleck said that we got to run. And he's, I know he's talking to the Knights, but I feel like we, <laughs> should, I feel like we should take a lap just in case. Like, Robert Halleck, why are you running right now? Yeah. Oh, what? Where are you going? <laughs> I thought I was supposed to. I don't know. But the one thing, I mean, and, you know, you read a- after your father had passed, um, and I, I did that right up for you. Yeah, and I appreciate you for that, man. I, I really do. And the family does as well. Well, it, it was it was my pleasure, and it was tough because as I'm I, – I wrote that, like, at my desk, like, tearing up, and people are looking at me, and I'm like, sorry, like, just whatever. Um, but one of the things that he did, obviously, for you and your sister – um, but for a lot of people that he touched and, you know, we, people see if, if, if your dad was to try and coach like that now, people would get angry because everyone's so sensitive. Yep, and the agreed. thing is, is your dad was never, it was not malicious. He was not being a coach like that to be an asshole. He knew how good we were and wanted us to be as good as we should be. And that's all he expected from you. And if, if you weren't putting forth that effort, he was going to let you know. And he, you know, yeah. and, and I, and I said it when I wrote that thing, like there's part of being around you and your father growing up for, I mean, granted, I don't do sports, but for me in radio, being the best that I can do in radio has a lot to do with just being around you and your dad. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, you know, wondering why the hell you threw a shirt in the fire and how you're still alive. <laughs> oh, um, man. I mean, yeah, that was, that was the Hoffman send out. But, yeah, man, the, uh, <laughs> you know, and like I said, when we kicked this thing off, you know, an hour and 20 ago, just extremely blessed. You know, my upbringing with my mother, um, you know, my relationship with my sister. But um, I can you know, factually say without a hundred percent of the doubt, you know, nothing that I've done, you know, throughout my career in sports, um, and or professionally and being a, you know, being a, a parent and a husband. Mm-hmm. Um my my father was a huge influence on what I did. And, you know, I, I want to carry that um, you know, throughout the rest of my life. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, you know, after his passing in, in November, 2018, the stories that came out, I know you reached out immediately 
and we connected when I was up there. Um, God, I was up there for a month and a half during during his whole transition. But um, the stories, uh, the actual stories of the, you know, that came out from everybody um, on on some way that he influenced them, you know. And at the time, like you said, when when you know when the situation happened in right, you didn't know. You know, at the time, you're like you're you know you're a kid. Um, but you know, things carry and resonate with everybody that he touched in some capacity, you know, into later in their early adult life or later in their adult life. And he, he had such a huge reach and impact on so many people. Um, it was infectious. Like people wanted to be around him. Um, but they were also, you know, they, they either looked up to him, they weren't really scared out of fear. Um, but they knew that, you know, later in life that all he was, he looked out for their best interest and he knew that he had an innate ability to get people, you know, to a place to be able to be better than they think that they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was crazy. And, you know, I was the guinea pig through the whole run, <laughs> the run of that, um, you know, and I wouldn't have done half of the stuff I did, you know, through Little League, kind of Matt, travel ball, basketball, football when I played, you know, you know, over at, over at uh, the pocket park and, yep. and collegiately baseball, um, you know, if it wasn't for my father, but the stories that have come out, you know, since November and his passing leading up to yesterday, hell, I didn't share this with you. Um, Jim Birdie sent me a, a, you know, a great message and big up to Jim Birdie, probably one of the best lefty catchers that I played with back in, you know, little league and, and Babe Ruth. But uh, he, uh, he sent a great, great message because you know if you guys are following me on social i'm doing doing a lot of stuff right i'm trying to get back just just doing stuff that was done to me when i was a kid with sports or whatnot and uh you know jim throwed out stories and how much of an impact you know dad my father had on him and it's just crazy to see and it's cool to that his legacy is gonna you know extend well beyond his his life which is which is cool yeah i you know it's I was one of the few people I think that he impacted that I didn't have him as a coach. I, uh, right. you know, cause I didn't, again, I didn't play little league over at colony or Babe Ruth, but uh, you know, being around you and I know <laughs> I was around you enough to know what you had to go through as well. Whoa. Yeah, I, I know. But, uh, <laughs> but you couldn't do that to kids nowadays. Child services would be after people. Yeah. <laughs> C- CPS would have definitely had a few appearances, but and I'll say it again, nothing was ever, it was never malicious. There was never any ill will or ill intent behind yeah. anything he was doing. Um, but to see the way he was with you and the way he was with the people he did coach and to be just to be around that and just to be around him, especially as we got older and he became less intimidating because we were growing up like you know when we were kids that was a large man and i was a little guy you know so it was like hmm, it's a big dude he's kind of scary but he right. was so, he was such a nice guy and a ball buster which was a lot of fun as we got older because oh, oh the best man and it, it, <laughs> but, but just to just to see and i and listen i i still don't know I, i'll tell the story quick we were getting ready. Derek Hoffman was leaving us in the capital region. He was moving out to Indiana. Uh, we had a little get together. This was, I think we knew he was going and it wasn't necessarily like right before he left, but it was close. 
and we were at Tim Siciliano's house. We were yep. out back uh, for, and, and there was a lot, there was woods there, which was weird. Cause we were, we were, we were in West Albany and we decided to have, like, we were camp, essentially camping. We had a tent. We're going to sleep outside, all hang out together. I think maybe one of the first few times that we had had alcohol with us, um, a fire going. Matt came in with probably a pair of jeans and he had a button up on, which till this day, I still question your, your fashion choice for the night. Uh, I was like, why is Matt wearing a button up? We're outside. Like he put a hoodie on or something. But anyway, um, so into the evening we go a couple of drinks or whatever. I don't even, but it was, uh, all of a sudden time had stopped. Matt removed his shirt, which was, not his shirt, by the way, it was his dad's. And he threw it in the fire. <laughs> and all I remember is me and Hoffman looking and going, what are you doing? That's your dad's shirt. <laughs> What's going on? And you went, holy shit. And you grabbed it out of the fire. And it, at that point, it didn't matter because it was just like cotton. So it wasn't armor. <laughs> And it had a couple of holes in it, and you're like, "Oh my God, I'm I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead." And it was, and it, I don't remember what happened. I don't know if you got in trouble after that when we all went home the next day. I have no idea, or you just didn't tell him. Uh, your mom's gonna know now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, yeah. <laughs> it, it is literally, and I mean, dude, you want to talk about years of memories? That is still my favorite memory of hanging out with everybody from high school. Yeah. That, uh, that, <laughs> that whole send off for, uh, for Derek Hoffman, uh, before he moved to Indiana, big ups, Derek, what's going on. If you're listening, um, it is, is wild because I have no idea. And I do not condone underage drinking, um, for everybody listening, <laughs> but, and I don't know what we were drinking, but for whatever reason, yeah, I remember, and I remember it vividly, D. I, I remember going, I don't know if my parents were home or they weren't home. Um, if you've been in the Blue House at 328, uh, my parents' master was upstairs. They had a closet up there. I went into his closet and grabbed a, like, embroidered RCH, Richard Carl Halleck, Oxford button-down long-sleeve shirt and decided that was what I was wearing to go hang out with Dennis and Derek on our camping trip. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah. We, were out, we were just out in the backyard somewhere in a tent and shit, and you looked fly as hell, yeah. man. You look... <laughs> yeah, I was, I was on point. Yeah, and back at Tim's place, Tim, you know, and, uh, you know, got to a point um, where, where I made a decision um, to, to take it off and throw it into the fire that we created and thought that that would was like cool or that's what I was going to do. And then on top of that, because it like, you guys were like, what the fuck is going on? I tried to get it out. Like I was like, I'm going to get it out and be able to maybe like put it back on or put it back in the closet. Yeah. That would have worked. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like it was, yeah. Like it was fine. Um, I do know that there was a, uh, 
I, from what I remember, there might have been some rebellious shit come out of your mouth before you threw it into the fire. Yeah, um, a little, you know, fuck it, what, whatever it was, and it was like, right. uh, and literally, time stopped for all of us. Like, oh, holy shit! We just watched Matt sign his own death certificate. Fuck. Um, I do remember to kind of to, to clear the airwaves of it. I did not tell my mother or father, and uh, lucky enough, my father had a number of you know button-down long-sleeve Oxfords with his initials embroidered on him that he never know. He knows now. Mom knows now. So right. Sorry, Dad. When I get up there, I'll I'll wear a long sleeve shirt when I when I get through the gates. <laughs> yeah, listen, next time when you meet your father next time, he's gonna greet you with a angel punch right in the throat. <laughs> oh, right in the throat. Yeah, I'm done. You did what to my what? Bang. <laughs> oh, too funny. Yeah, speaking of woods, man, it was funny because I knew this story would come up, right? Because it's so you know a part of our history. Oh, I saw um, not bringing that story up, dude. Come on. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And, and, and for anybody in Colony, I don't know. I had a, I, it still burns in my brain because I remember that story so vividly, um, you know, with, with the send off for Derek. But uh, um, I, I remember being over um, on Albany Shaker Road through high school. And I don't know if anybody, you know, from 92, 93, 94 remembers this. Um, but being behind on Albany Shaker across from Inferno Pizzeria, which I do believe is still there, um, there was a phase drugstore um, off of Albany Shaker. And I remember behind that in the woods, there used to be high school parties um, all the time. And, you know, throwing back to our, our high school people. And, you know, every time that story comes up, you know, behind phase wood parties everybody's got high school memories of you know you ask anybody throughout the country in the 90s you know 80s and 90s they were in the woods somewhere on you know gathering with their friends um you know having a good time listening to music hell we had freaking boom boxes back then man literally (laughs) cassette boom boxes tape cassettes boom boxes uh you know listening to a, a wide array of genre of music um through hip hop, rap, top forty, it was it was fun. I think it I think it depended on what year it was because like the we shifted in high school where we went from extremely hard hip hop was the popular shit to as we got older and grunge music came out and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that and we kind of shifted that way. Um, yeah, I mean for me, hip hop has always been hip hop and R and B ish, like the even like the new edition Bobby Brown type stuff. It's always been like my go-to for whatever reason. Um, Same. Not that that I don't like the other stuff. And it was funny that you had, uh, because you put that challenge up the other day on on Facebook. (laughs) And you were talking about music. And you talked about how Chaz turned you on to the Doors and Pink Floyd and stuff. I remember the Sienna overnight basketball camp the one year I went. Oh, Lord. you You were with Chaz. Like, you guys roomed together. I roomed with Jared. Um, oh god which was fun by the way because jared and your cousin didn't like each other no that was that made for an interesting back and forth because i'm like hey man i'm gonna go hang out with halleck 
I don't suggest you come, but I don't know what else you should do. Like, like <laughs> I'm so happy you brought this up. So, uh, and I didn't know you're going to bring this up at all. God, man, we have a lot of memories together. Uh, yeah, Jared Donnelly. And the funny thing uh, is, uh, props to, to Bill Francis. You know, when I when I did the uh, when I did the post about the Colony Shaker game with the football team coming out and scalping Jake Forrest before it. Um, you know, I, I I always remember going into college, and then a couple of years after, um, Jared. You know, Jared was extremely skilled. Again, I you know I only had short times to watch. You know the favorite Richardsons. You know Max brother, like the the group before me play Colony High School basketball. Yeah. Um, but Jared uh, was uh, was at the forefront of being extremely gifted as a point guard uh, for our team, and uh, um, you know had an air about it. Was was very competent. Um, but yeah, a lot of people didn't know what happened to him after. I know he went up and played Vermont basketball. You know basketball in college in Vermont. Bill Francis, you know, and then you you shot me some information that he's back in the area, you know, working in the school district as an educator, you know, awesome for him. Um, you know, all of our educators, teachers, anybody working in the education system, freaking love you guys. Um, but he's back, you know, he's back in. He's, right. He's back in the air. So that, that was kind of cool. But yeah, that, that summer camp at, at uh, Siena was awesome overnight. But they did not like each other at all. My cousin Chaz and Jared Donnelly, um, and they go after each other. Um, and, and it was, uh, it was, it made for an interesting kind of dynamic because you had a room with them. Well, and not only that, like, and we were all friends, so it was like, because I think Chris Ditzel was at camp that year. I think that's what it was. Yep. It was like, like you, me, Ditzel, Jared, and your cousin. I don't remember. I don't think Linacre went that year. I don't remember anyone else from the school being there, but I know that, th that at least us five were there. And I'm like, I didn't realize that Chaz and Jared didn't like each other until like Tuesday at camp and going to, like I was hanging, I think I might've been just hanging out with your cousin, like after games or whatever. And we came back to your room. He's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking kill him. And I'm like, I'll kill him. Yeah. And I don't know why they – I don't even – I can't remember. I mean, I, I, Chaz will listen to this and his, and his wife does and my family. And, and if anybody can provide any color to the D&I on why those two didn't like each other, but they really didn't like each other. No. Um, but but it, was, uh, it was a funny thing. But, yeah, to go back to Chaz and kind of music, um, you know, close, close to your chest um, – Chaz had a huge influence on me. I mean, my mom, if we're talking about, you know, my love of music and if you, anybody that knows me or been around me, um, I freaking love music. I have it all, all the time in the house. Um, it, it's just something that, uh, again, similar to sports, I have a passion for music and, and Dennis and I can talk, you know, stories and hours just about, about music in general. But my mom turned out to me onto the Beatles when I was younger, always played vinyls in the house, freaking loved Beatles to death because of that. Um, I was a big, you know, going into 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 high school with, with, with these guys and everything. I was a big, huge, huge hip hop fan. Um, but Chaz kind of opened, you know, my perspective to other things, just like a different point of view, like music's music regardless. Right. Right. Um, and he opened me to, 
you know, the doors, we, we had trips where, you know, we, we would drive, you know, up and down 87 to our, to our camp up in Scroon Lake. And, uh, you know, he turned me on to Jim Morrison, the doors. And then in 94, when I graduated, um, which is a whole nother story. And I could tell you some wild shit. Um, <laughs> he took me to a Pink Floyd concert, uh, division belt, uh, tour in 94 down to the Meadowlands, the giant stadium. Yeah. Um, and opened me up to Pink Floyd, which, you know, was a whole nother level outside of the music itself of, of entertainment. And, and it, it, it was cool, man. Chaz, Chaz had a big influence on me as far as just a lot of things in my life. Cause he was like, he was my, he was my first cousin. I mean, similar to you outside of family, you know, I mean, you were, were one of the first friends outside of Linacre that just lived right next door, you know, the next right. street over, one of the first kids, that, you know, in the blue house on St. Creek Road. But Chaz was always there every summer, right? Came down from, from Merrimack, New Hampshire. Um, and then when he got older, got, you know, was a heavy, heavy influence on, on you know, my love of, of branching out into music, um, you know, and we'll be ever, forever grateful to him for that. And honestly, like, I think Sienna Camp that year, by the way, that was an awesome year because we also, that was the first dream team, uh, Yes, ninety-two. And we were at camp. We were at camp while the dream team was playing. So at the end of the day at Siena, like we, you know, we played for whatever in the in the beginning of the day where you had your practices and your drills, and you would play games. But then the rest of the evening, it was just a bunch of high school kids on Siena campus, like running roughshod all over the place. Um, yeah. But I remember, like, we were in like one of the common areas watching games and shit. But um, I think that might have been one of the first times I had met your cousin as well, and. Walking, I remember walking into your room and we were listening to like Riders on the Storm and, and that album that had all, you know, it was like, and I didn't listen to The Doors prior to that. Um, I have a lot of respect for their music and I like, and I enjoy their music, but I think that was my first taste of it. And it's funny, you know, the people that knew us would never really realize all the other stuff that I did listen to outside of like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Um, right. And as, and especially now, like as, as, as I get older, what I'm trying to do with my kids, um, you know, I got them listening to like the four seasons, Frankie Valley, uh, yes. Richie Valley. Like I have the La Bamba album downloaded on my phone. So I make sure that she's listening to La Bamba or some buddy Holly stuff, um, pop punk music, like good Charlotte, simple plan. She loves simple plan. Maddie wants to meet them. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't really know them. So we'll see, but um, I have met, I've met them a couple times and actually went drinking with the lead singer one night. But that's you know that was a long time ago. Um, so leverage that leverage that network, man. Come on. <laughs> but but she loves the pop punk, and then I mean it's not a great parenting thing, but I got her listening to Eminem. Yeah, and, dude, she loves them, which is great. I'm like I. I I try to make sure that she's just listening to the wordsmith that that man is and not the actual lyrics he's saying. Right. Like, I don't need you at 11 going into school or 12 going to school and singing Eminem songs. And then I got to explain to the teachers and the, the principal why you're singing Eminem music and saying. <laughs> so, but so I'm trying to, you know, spread that. And of course, with the heritage of my family, uh, she, you know, I got her listening to polka music as well with, you know, the band, the family, the family band and my dad, she plays clarinet and she practices with my dad who's, you know, plays sax, which is 
pretty yep. fun. At one point, she said she wanted to be a drummer, and both me and my father said no. No. Um, she's like, well, but why? Jaji's a drummer. I'm like, because you got the most equipment, you got the heaviest equipment, and nobody helps you set up or break down. You got to do that shit all by yourself. <laughs> like, yep. I mean, and it's funny to to educate them because it's time to educate, right? That's like a that's like a catcher in baseball, right? Or soft, like they, <laughs> you're gonna have the most stuff. You're gonna have the worst job. Yeah. But yeah, man, I I 100% agree with you to, to kind of you know expose kids to you know different genres of music, different time frames. Uh, again, I, I probably if you're drinking to this podcast. You've probably had about five or six shots for me saying the word blessed. We're, t- we're turning this into a drinking game. By the way, if you are drinking, if you are drinking during this podcast, it was probably the smartest move you could have made. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a drink. We might go back and re-record the intro. Um, but yeah, I, I've been blessed. My daughter, Sophia, um, has really, we've exposed her myself um, because of my love of music. Um, my mother... Um, she's getting into vinyl, um, you know, uh, amidst the freaking pandemic and, and the mess that's going on right now across the globe. She self-taught herself to play guitar. Um, wow. She just has a love of music, you know, and that's, you know, it, it makes you proud as a parent um, just because I always have an aunt, right? And I have a love for it and, and a passion for it while in the car. Um, just like you, D. I I mean, my fa- if we're talking MCs, like, my and we were to rank them um m&m's at at the m&m's number one for me and we you and i you know gone through late 80s 90s you know 2000s but m&m by far as as an mc is probably the for me in my opinion if i was to rank the top five would be number one yeah i can't i can't necessarily disagree with that um and mostly because when you, you hear a lot of the quote unquote experts talk about MCs and they bring up Rakim and they bring up Nas and they bring up Jay-Z um, or, you know, like we were talking the other day about KRS-One and I'm, I'm like, I never yeah. hear his name mentioned, but the dude was a genius. I may have not genius. necessarily like felt his music the way I can get into some only because he was very, very um, political, like kind of political, pro-black which is not a bad thing. It's just not, I'm not black. So it was like, I don't, like, I, I understand the struggles that go on. I just can't necessarily relate to that, but wordplay and and punchlines and everything that KRS had was ridiculous. And the only reason I think I put Eminem up there is I wasn't in, like, I never really sat and listened to rock him. Um, Right. Or any of the real early MCs, but that's mostly because, I think like the the most exposure I had to to rock him was was Juice, like the movie Juice in the in the soundtrack to the movie. Great movie. It was. It was. You know what's funny is I talked about it. Uh, I don't know if it was on one of these podcasts or something I had done in the past, but I, I we were talking about quote unquote hood movies, um, Boys in the Hood or Menace to Society, Juice. I love the movies, but if you were to watch them now. And, and know what you know as far as what good acting is. <laughs> there is not very good acting in any of those movies. But the idea yeah. and the point that they're, they're getting across to you 
is what you take away from that. But I would never, I, like, I remember watching Juice and being like, these dudes are not really good actors. <laughs> they were honest. Time is funny. You talk about Juice. Juice had a big impact on me, man. It's, it's crazy. I, Juice above the rim, uh, men, you know, above the rim later, um, right. a menace society. Um, you're talking about, you know, actors getting their screen actor guild cards that probably never acted. And, you know, Omar, Omar Epps was probably at the time the most like gifted actor. Um, Tupac, um, you, you know, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson was, was in that movie. Uh, and Queen Latifah, I'm, I don't even know. I'm trying to off the cuff at the top of my head. Um, but Juice was, yeah, if you look back and in, in you're critiquing acting skills, not the best. <laughs> no. The, not the best. But what I, what I loved about it, you know, and, and looking back at it and, and the perception that I have it, had it at the time opposed to like if I watched it now um is that it was just real right like it, it, it portrayed a reality that wasn't prepackaged, cookie cuttered somebody trying to do something that you can kind of see through um right. and, and and I have more appreciation now because of my tenure and I'm older in life and I've met so many different people and I had more experiences now in my, at 43 years old than I did when I was 20 than I did when I was 18. Mm -hmm. um, it, it reconfirms what my father is always and going back to freaking, you know, coach Halleck, Dickie Halleck <laughs> is, is, I know it's crazy. You can kind of bring it back to anything, but it is to be you like, don't be, anything other than yourself um and that's what i love one about sophia um coming into her own like she's herself mm -hmm. um i am who i am like i don't portray or try to do something different or i don't say things or, or post things or create things that like i am who i am like right. you know like it like it or not that's fine um you know and, and, and it goes back to just perception and you and i were kind of chatting about perception and people self-creating things in their own heads based on wording or their opinion, which is fine. Like everybody can have an opinion, um, but it's usually not the truth, right? Unless you talk to somebody and, and that's the biggest thing. And it's funny that we're talking about Juice, the movie, because there was so much realism to the shitty acting, what was <laughs> going on in the inner cities. Right. You know, some of those people not being actors and they just like threw them on camera. Um, now, fast forward 30 years from now, you know, living and acting and, and, you know, doing what I do professionally on social, whatever, it's real. Like, right. you're not getting anything other than me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So no, and cool. I think. I think that's what kind of drew me into a lot of those quote unquote hood movies too, was it was a glimpse into a life that I had no, I knew nothing about. No clue. Yep. You know, we, right. here we are. And, and I've, I've actually spoken about it with friends too, about like with music and they're like, how did you get so into hip hop? And I'm like, I literally got into that kind of music. I think because of the struggle, like just because not because I could relate to the message that they were coming, you know, putting out there. like, I didn't do, I was what, 16 when Snoop Dogg came out or 17. I couldn't relate to the shit that he was saying about gang banging and, and living in South Central. But I think it was the way the message was delivered. I liked the storytelling of hip hop. Um, 
and I and again I liked the storytelling of those movies and and you get this glimpse into a world whereas a white kid in colony had no idea about that part of the world and right. it opened it opened me up to a lot of different things as far as social injustices go and inequalities and all this shit and it's like man dude I I've always had the saying that no matter who you are, you could be an asshole. It don't matter. Like I hate white people more than I hate anybody on the planet. Like it's like, right. you know. So it was. It was always just something that drew me in. About I think it was really the storytelling, uh, yeah. a, respect, a respect for music, and a respect for the way that they told their story or someone else's story through their eyes. Uh, because I don't necessarily think most of these guys were out there killing people. Because you're not going to put that down on. They record it. Kill, you killed somebody. And you just like you just incriminated yourself. Wait, you're going to sell a million records? You're going to be in jail. Like this. So fuck it. Um, but I remember going. I think I was with you, and I think either Eric or Mike or Ditzel, and we went and saw Above the Rim in the theater, and we saw White Man Can't Jump in the theater. In the yes, yep, absolutely. Um, the White Man Can't Jump situation for us was funny because it, it was you. I actually do remember this because it was you, me and Chris. And we were the only three white guys in the theater. We were the only white kids in there. Yes, I do remember that. And we were all of like 15, 16 years old. Yeah, and we were white. Very, yeah, we were very white. Like, let's, just, let's just put it that way. And I remember the beginning of the movie, and it starts, and the, the opening credits come on, and the title comes up, White Men Can't Jump. And from the back of the theater, all you hear is someone go, White Men Can't It starts with an F. Yep. And, the, and the three of us looked at each other like, I ain't saying shit. Like, I don't fuck that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. You're absolutely right. It was like, but I, and I remember leaving there, and we're like, what the fuck did we get ourselves into? It took me almost two hours before I actually dropped an F-bomb on this one. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, my mom listens to everyone. She's like, you swear a lot. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I need a, you have no idea. I curse a lot. You know what it is? This is what I boil it down to. I am not allowed to curse on the radio, okay, With, for obvious reasons. Uh, I value my job. I can't afford the fine. Um, so when the microphone is off, and you talk to me on a one-on-one -on -one level, I curse a lot. I don't mean anything by those. Like, to me, they're just words. Um, and I also spent 10 years working for a company that delivered construction material, like drywall, metal studs, in interior uh, building supplies for the most part. And I was 18, dude, working with guys that were like 36 years old truck drivers. You want to talk about growing up real fast. <laughs> it's like Real fast. And... Till this day, like my the guys that I hang out with at the dance studio, uh, my 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 fellow prop dads, who are very good friends of mine, they're like, dude, you take a ball busting really really good, and I'm like, yeah, be 18 years old and work for a construction firm, a construction company, and you have no background in that, dude. 18 years old, I'm coming from us playing sports all the time, to just getting thrown into a truck like here you go go unload this truck with this guy okay so it was uh you'll learn real quick oh yeah no you definitely <laughs> do it was like dude if, if they're not making fun of you there's a good chance they don't like you so 
Um, and to be a kid, I mean, dude, they were grown men. I was eight, like 18 years old. I was a little kid to these people. So they, they, I learned a lot from that, just from that job. I also learned that I don't ever want to do that shit again. No, never. That's, that's one thing you learn. Not, not up here, bro. Like in the winter, <laughs> I come to an office. Yeah. To work yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to work outside. Yeah, it's a fickle beast, man. I and, and you know, props to anybody in in construction. Down here, it's like the opposite. It's like reverse engineered that people are working, you know, July, August, September with the heat index at 115, like on the top of a. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was the other fun part too. Is us going to things where it was like you know, it, get, it would get warm up here too. I I mean, granted, it's not Florida. Um, but to do it, actually, there was never a good time for the job. I, I, missed, I missed working with the people. I don't miss the job. There was never really a good time to be there. In the winter, in the summer, it sucked. Spring. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, uh, springtime yeah. was nice. Where it's like, you could wear like pants and a t-shirt. You didn't have to put on 14 sweatshirts and a work coat and a winter hat and four pairs of gloves. Then get to a job site where the heat, like they got uh, little salamanders blowing heat in there. It was 80 degrees inside the job site. So you're taking everything off and working in a t-shirt in January and then going back outside. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, no, thank you. But you miss the people. And it's funny that you said that earlier because, you know, you look at, and I'm Jesus, like I said, showing my age, I'm going into almost 20 years of, you know, my quote unquote corporate, like professional side of my life. You're adult, um, adult side of gonna, life. I get it. Yeah, jobs are going to come and go and, you know, working is not fun. It's a means, right? I got to throw back to, and I leverage and use it and I try to, I try to spread it as much as I can and, and big ups, God bless Wu-Tang, one of my favorite groups ever, um, cream, cash rules, everything around me. You got to work, right? right. Um, um, it's always the people like, like I can, you know, talk about, you know, my career as far as work is concerned and jobs and whatever and not liking them, liking them. Oh, liked every company that I've worked for. I've been extremely blessed. There's another shot blessed if you're drinking. Um, <laughs> is, uh, I, I miss, you know, I, the people. That's that's what it's all about. That's that's what life's about is surrounding yourself with, with good people and having good interactions and learning. Um, kind of expanding yourself. So it's funny, but to take it back then, because I just wanted to do it real quick, um, talking about hip hop music, you know, our lives, our similarities, commonalities. Um, if anybody's watched The Last Dance in documentary, which is freaking bonkers, I love it. I love that they dropped it. Dennis and I probably know about 95% of the stuff that is actually going on in that show. So it's not a surprise to of us, um, but it's cool to look back. Um, is Mike had a huge, Michael Jordan had a huge influence, and I only can speak on my behalf, I can't speak on Dennis, but I know it's true, had a huge influence, you know, into the late 80s, 90s of me getting into kind of the hip hop culture, kind of, you know, what what was transitioning or transpiring across the globe, um, especially in America, um, when Jordan came in and just, you know, flipped everybody on its head and was like, who the hell is this? human playing basketball that's pretty he uh for me the influence was he got me into basketball um and then from there i think i had always had the interest in the uh 
in like the R&B because I, I remember having like new edition tapes and getting into that kind of, you know, I, I enjoyed new edition and then it just really transitioned to the Bobby Brown doing his solo thing. And, and, and it just, I ended up going that path musically. Um, Michael had a big influence of me just wanting to play basketball and learning how to play basketball, whether it was at a level that you guys played at competitively or just to play. I was like, I just wanted to play ball. And that was it. I mean, and that was, and to not really, it's funny how you find like, like now finding out what kind of competitor Michael Jordan really was. And I'm like, right. You know, cause back then, dude, when we were growing up, we didn't have Facebook and Twitter. And can you imagine the shit that that man would have tweeted? when? <laughs> no. Yeah. You no, know. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But you knew, I mean, you knew that he was a killer on the court. You could see that just from his, the passion that he played with and how easy he made it look. But now you, you think, you know, you, you watch it back and you're like, man. And I know that there's a lot of young kids that are watching that and they're going, Michael Jordan was an asshole. And I'm like, yeah. And BJ Armstrong said it. And I honestly believe it a hundred percent. You can't be a nice guy to be as competitive as he was in the position that he was. At that level. You're right. Yep. You, know, you, you can't like, you, there is no nicey nice when all you're doing, you're coming back and you want to win a championship. And you got some guys that maybe aren't working as hard as you and all you're expecting out of them is to work as hard as you do. And if, you know, if Michael Jordan can practice like it's a game, there is no reason that anybody else out there could practice or shouldn't practice like that because he didn't need to, he was Michael Jordan. Right. So it, you know, I, I mean, I have no idea what the hell my point was in any of that shit. I just said a whole lot of words. I hope they made sense. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. No, so, although, I, yeah. The one thing I will Go say ahead. is um, when I try to pass along to my daughter who did play like one year of basketball before she fell out of love with that because it interfered with dance. Um, but I do pass it along to both my kids actually is for them to practice, which was something I never really got into. I never really liked to practice, but doing their stuff at home, whether it be running their dances, playing the clarinet, you know, practicing their clarinet, uh, Robin practicing the stuff she needs for cheer. I said, listen, you, you practice in the gym like you are on stage performing. And, yep. and I, I try to bring it back to how Jordan practiced. And I, you know, trying to explain as they get older, they start realizing it a little bit more, you know, when Maddie was nine, she's looking at me like, who the fuck is Michael Jordan? What are you talking about? Jordan, right? Yeah. Like the guy on a sneaker? Who's that? Yeah. Um, but that, and and I'll continue to do that to make sure that, you know, they know. Listen, this man was probably, if he's not the greatest, one of the greatest to ever play the game. And if he could practice as hard as he did, there's no reason you can't practice as hard as you did because you're sure as hell not the best cheerleader or dancer to ever grace the planet. So, right. you know, there's, no reason. Same thing with baseball. Derek Jeter busting his ass down the first baseline. Robinson Cano fucking dogging it. Yo, if Derek Jeter can run, bro, you can run. Like, it's Derek Jeter. Yeah, it, it's crazy, man. Um, it, it's something that I get. Uh, and I, you know, when I coach and you talk about practice, right, feel like I just feel like I introed Alan Iverson. I was talking gonna, about practice. Yeah, practice? <laughs> We're talking about practice. Not even a yeah, game. We're talking like, about I felt like I just wanted to put on a sideways hat at a mic stand. <laughs> and talk, just talking about practice. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's like, for me, it was second nature because my dad instilled it in me. And I, I didn't, I mean, I was, you know, at the, the biggest of my math, you know, in college, I was five, eight and a half a buck 85. Like I'm not a big person. Like, <laughs> like I'm, you know, you know, so I knew and my father even knew that I had to like outwork people. And I, yeah, that was, was I blessed? There's another shot. Was I blessed with, um, you know, skills and talents more than my peer group, you know, in and around the area who I played with? Yes. But I also will go on record and back at a hundred percent of people that know me, I outworked everybody else. Right. Like through little league, Connie Mack, you know, talking baseball, um, you know, college, I just outworked everybody. And it's, it's really unique to see a lot of that came from Jordan, but a lot of them from my father, but I knew the stories and, you know, what I was digging into, to, you know, being a super fan of Michael Jordan of, uh, just like you said, he just had a super high expectations. Like I had, he had one goal and it's funny because anybody in professional sports or, you know, even if you get to a high level in high school or collegiately, you want to win, right? It's fun. Sports should be fun. You sports a 100%. Um, but when you get to a place, especially from a professional level where you're getting paid bottom line, you want to win the championship. And it's funny. Um, he was just at a next level and it's the same kind of mantra that I try to install my kids and you guys are seeing all over social. Like I'm a big practice person, repetition, outwork because you're going to get ROI or return on your investment just because it's human nature. Like if you do something more and more and more and you push yourself to the max, you're going to get return. If you don't do shit, you're not going to get shit back. Like it, it just like it's common sense almost to a point. Well, when you uh, when you put out that you were going to do that uh, the hitting lesson on Facebook Live the other day, you put a quote in there right. that said, "Hitting is a reaction, and if you don't train, then you won't react," or whatever the quote was, which was that's exactly I, what it was. And I, I I read that and I was like, "That's great." I was like, "That makes a hunt. That makes so much sense." And not for nothing, like watching you, like I had no business watching the video other than to watch the video, like because <laughs> I'm like. What the fuck? I don't have any kids that play baseball. I sure as hell don't play baseball or softball. I was like, but I want to, and, and that's, that's the one thing. And I mean, we constantly say how long we've known each other. Uh, I'm extremely loyal to my friends. And I will, like, I'm trying, I will support you 100% and do whatever I can for you with this, this, the garage. Um, but as I'm watching that and I'm listening to you talk about hitting, and you're like, you know, this lesson is just kind of the drills. The next one with your son, which I'm, dude, again, no business watching it other than to watch it. But I want to watch JT because. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. But then the, you're like, the third one is going to be more philosophy and pitch counts and, you know, pitch, pitch selection, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm listening to you talk about all this shit. And I'm like, I never thought of any of that shit when we played baseball. I was a C-ball hit ball reactor. Yep. So I'm like, I never went up there thinking, hmm, if he throws this, I was just like, I hope he throws me a fastball at some point so I can hit it. <laughs> or like, yeah, and I, or swing like at you it. Said that, yeah, I mean, I'm going to see the ball and I'm going to swing as hard as I can. Right. Um, yeah, and I, and I appreciate that, D, man. It, it's like you said, you, and after we text, and I know I've reached out to a lot of you guys, asked for feedback on 
you know, the garage I'll be doing once a week, um, just live because it's fun. Um, but I mean, hitting a baseball or softball is something I have a passion about. And it was cool to hear, you know, feedback from different types of people. And I only worked, I reached out to different individuals based on what I knew about them because they would give different perspectives. If I gave, you know, if I reached out to all my Mount St. Mary college buddies, I knew it was going to be all the same feedback, right? If I reached out to all the people that I knew had eight to 11 year olds, I would get the same feedback. So, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, you, um, I knew I was going to get a different perspective and I'm 100% up about, you know, multiple perspectives. Um, and, and you put it, you know, you know, to a point you're like, you do interviews. So you talk to people all the time, right. You know, be it at, you know, you know, one, two, three, at kiss, IR radio and your podcast, you talk to people all day. So you get a gauge on when they get excited about something that they really, really, truly are passionate about. Um, and you can, you get a sense and you understand when they are, or if it's coming off as fluff or they're BSing you, right? Yep. Um, so it was cool to get, get your perspective and your feedback. And uh, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be something fun. I'm doing, you know, on the side, I, I got a lot of side gigs, man. I'm a, I'm a hustler. I, I got turned on to, to Gary V about two years ago. You're talking about swearing and a guy that curses a lot. And, you know, I've been flipping stuff on the side, you know, picking up free shit that's in my community and flipping and making money. Um, for about a year and a half, it's fun. I don't think the money doesn't drive me. The actual passion of the hunt of free stuff and actually flipping it does. Um, and now kicking off this hitting stuff, you know, I, I, you know, coach Sophia and her teams, uh, you know, over the last four or five years at a competitive fast pitch elite level, um, you know, was successful hitting, um, throughout my career and into college, um, got me into the hall of fame because of that. I didn't win because I was a, I didn't get into the hall cause I was a pitcher or a fantastic glove. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I want, which I had a good glove, but you know, I, I twofold, you know, I want to give back to the kids, right. man. I, I like, I like giving back to the kids that, you know, hitting something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, practice is something I'm huge on. Um, and why not do it? It's a good time. Like if you're home and you got a kid, a nephew, niece, son, daughter, grandchild that, you know, wants a different perspective on hitting a softball or baseball, come and check out a live session once a week or hit me up and I'll do an actual session right. with you and it's, virtually. So, And I know like when uh, you you texted me, like you you thought about doing it. And I'm, I'm first of all, I'm glad right. to see that you are and that your wife didn't kill you. Um, because that was the first thing you're like yo i want to do this but i'm not sure how nadia's gonna feel and i'm like "Mm." and you're like she's italian i was like oh yeah okay i see i get it um because you know the temper and and taking over the garage of the house but to to watch you i mean when the what i texted you back was i could hear the passion you have for hitting when you talk about it um i recognize it because that's how i talk about radio uh exactly you can you can break down a swing or look at a swing and talk about where the pitch is, the swing. We're not choking up, which I thought was fucking great, by the way. Like, we're two strikes. Yeah. We're not choking up. We were confident nope. at the plate. We have confidence in our abilities. Um, yep. I can listen to a person on the radio and break down what was said, how it was said, what maybe the way I would have done it or what kind of advice I would give in the way that it's saying. And 
you know, people that listen to the radio don't necessarily get that because they think we just come on and we talk and it, like we just say yep. stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah, we do just say stuff, but can you relay a message inside 12 seconds? And I have, I have to capture your attention best I can once every 10, 12 minutes when I get to talk on the radio uh, and do it creatively and do it differently than I did it last time and say the same shit and talk about the same shit for hours, but I have to do it differently every single time so that I'm just not repeating what I've already said or the way yep. I've said. There are, there are, there are DJs out there that have gotten very complacent in our field. And then you have guys like myself and a bunch of people that I know that still put forth a lot of effort and energy into what we do because we enjoy it. Um, so hearing you talk about hitting was like listening to me talk radio, which I thought, you know, and, it, and it's funny too, where you're like, I, I can recognize someone when they're bullshitting. Um, which is something that has developed in me as, as radio, but I've always been like, that's the one thing I've always been able to do is to listen to someone and go, man, you're talking out of your ass. Like you, you're not, you're not necessarily, you're like, you're saying the words, but I don't think you believe them or it's necessarily true. And to listen to you talk about hitting, I'll tell you what, dude, if I had a kid that played competitive, hit a ball with a bat, whether it be softball, baseball, stickball, fucking monster ball, whatever, they would be watching you every week, every week. Yeah you know, no matter what. And I was glad to see that my one buddy, Chris's daughter, uh, enjoyed what you did. And I, I, I'm trying to spread that word to people because it's like, dude, the accolades and what you've done, it's one thing I, and, and it's another thing that I respect the shit out of with you is you've been able to do it on the field, but you're also a good teacher. You're a good coach. Like you, not everybody that can do something well can coach it. Like, I don't think Michael, oh, I, I don't think Jordan could sit on the sidelines and coach a team. No. But you, you have that ability, kind of like Joe. Joe is great at playing and can coach, like is, is patient with the kids, is a good teacher. And you have that as well, which is awesome. I think that's, that's a tremendous trait. Yeah, man, it's, it's funny to hear you talk about it. And anybody that's in like a, a niche, like they have a, they have a specialty or a niche that they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of correlate it to, like you said, radio, me with hitting or, or you know, whatever. Um, I, I look at the game of softball and baseball and hitting or just the, the aspects of the game, but hitting, I look at it with a totally, through a totally different lens than, you know, Maggie Sue's mom that's <laughs> on the team. Like my, my viewpoint of it, it it's crazy. Like, you know, you know, as a coach, as a fan, when I watch games, you know, the teams that I coach or other games that I just watch because I'm a sports fan, I, I, I look at it with a totally different perspective because, one, I'm passionate about it. Two, I know the game. Right. Um, just I've been around it my whole life since I was three years old, and I'm 43. Um, so I, I have you're a different 43, bro? You're old. I know. I'm an old man, dude. I, I'm on the back end of my life. I God that's why I moved to Florida early. <laughs> I'm trying to try to extend my uh my my lifespan. So but just like, like like you said with radio, you when you hear somebody or you're watching, you know, a podcast that, you know, it, it that you know has visibility like a Joe Rogan or yeah. you know, uh, some you know John Doe in Oshkosh, Wisconsin that's throwing it online, you right. can actually tell. Right. And you look through, you look at that with a different lens and can give a different perspective. Um, 
so yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to kind of kick this off and, and get it running. It's it's something that one is fun. Um, you know, blessed that we have the technology. We're in a time frame to to do these type of things, i.e., this podcast inside the month of Scott. I mean, we but, couldn't but, do this. No, by the way, he 20. said Matt, Matt said blessed, blessed. Take another shot. Yeah, take another shot. So, um, <laughs> you know, to do you know, to be able to help anybody out, you know, that's that's the bottom line. If, if you're tuning in to anything that I'm freaking speaking to, or even Dennis, and you're getting just a different viewpoint, or you're getting one percent more information than you're you have now you're benefiting from it like you may not know it um so yeah k watch your your friend like it was it was dope i was talking to him and you know his kid loved it and i hope they continue to turn in next week jt will be in the garage uh it'll be a shit show man he's (laughs) uh he's he's like a five six buck 65 11 year old that just about six weeks ago started practicing like he was a gamer like he didn't care he never worked Sophia's always liked work since she was eight years old hit daddy let's go to the field I want to hit in the cage can we do do this drill she just loves the work and she has a passion for the grind Jackson could give an absolute shit he wants to play MLB the show eat Cheetos play Fortnite, and I'll show up to the game. Right. <laughs> so, so essentially, the way you're des- the, the, the describing this, if we break it down to the two people that are conversing right now, your daughter is you, and your son is me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I knew there was a reason I liked your kid. I knew. Yeah. And it was like, because honestly, like the only time I met JT was at your dad's wake. Not really a time yeah, to sit right, exactly. with anybody. Um, yep. You know, it was also funny because, like, when I was telling people how excited I was about doing this and sitting with you, with, essentially, virtually, uh, and I'm like, you got to realize, I was like, yo, Matt and I have not really had, like, a sit-down conversation, just chew the, you know, just shoot the shit, chew the fat, whatever kind of, whatever you want to throw out there, uh, in over 30 years. Right. And I'm like, I saw him at his dad's wake. I was like, that was not the appropriate time to sit and catch up. I'm like, right. A, <laughs> right. a you know, they're they're dealing with and in, in working through losing Mr. Halleck. B, right. there was like 40 people behind me in the receiving line still. And I didn't think it would be right for me to turn around and go, y'all need to wait a minute. I haven't seen Matt in like 33 years. Can you hold up? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been, unfortunately, you know, as you get older, you're going to go, I've been to wakes, but I've never been to one that was that was that large. Uh, that uh, that's freaking nuts. <laughs> the unfortunate thing was uh, a few years ago, two years ago on December thirtieth. So let's see, at the end of twenty seventeen, no, twenty nineteen. What the fuck year is it? Twenty twenty, twenty eight. End of twenty eighteen. My buddy Danny, uh, one of the dance dads, had passed away unexpectedly. Bro, when I tell you that there was. I think they said 1,200, over 1,200 people came to his wake. Yeah. It, it was intense, bro. Like, I, I got there about 10 minutes before it was supposed to quote-unquote end, and we were still, rat, like, a line outside the funeral home, down the driveway, out into the road in Latham. And I'm like, this is 
bonkers. Like it was yeah. in the line uh, going through, like it was just, but that like your dad, Danny knew and talked to everybody. He was a, he was just a yep. good dude. Uh, had, it, it was, it was crazy to see the amount of people that he touched. And then the, the following day or whatever, you know, whenever we did the, the funeral, uh, we were at Our Lady of Assumption Church in Latham, right, right across the street from where Shaker is. Uh, yep. And the church w- was filled. And I was like, I would, he had 20, 27 pallbearers. We took, mm-hmm. shift. we had shifts. So <laughs> it was like four different shifts uh, to, to help with the casket. I was fortunate and blessed to be, I said, blessed, take a shot. I was blessed to be one of them. <laughs> Um, but no, you're, and even showing up at your dad's and I got there towards the end as well because I was at work and I was like, okay, I gotta, I was like, I have to go to this. Uh, and I walked in and the first two people I see, Mike Linekery and Lisa Henderson Smith. Yeah. Good people. And Mike turns and looks at me, goes, holy God, Rymanowski dropping, dropping my government name on the D Scott podcast. And I was like, what's up, buddy? <laughs> like, you know, I was like. But it, and that was just to see the, the amount of people that were there for your dad and just to know the amount of people that he touched was uh, – it had to be comfort, comforting in, an, in, an, in a way for you and the family to know that. Yeah, 100%, man. Just, just like Danny, you don't – and my dad, like that situation, you never want to live your life for that moment, right? You never want to say, I'm going to do stuff so when I do pass, Right. I get a big crowd at my wake. Like that should—that shouldn't be the plan of attack for your Hell life. No, because you don't get to enjoy that shit, dude. You're- right. <laughs> exactly. But uh, you know, to to and I've always known it, right? Because I'm extremely close to my father, God, since I can remember. You know, being a freaking you know a, a ball boy and a t boy when he was coaching that vision again. Um, you know, everything that he's done for me as far as sports being a coach all the way up until I was in college, being on every single college game, I probably only remember my father maybe missing, and this includes spring training trips down to Carolina and Florida, maybe missing like five games my entire four years. Like wow. my dad is, 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 you know, he on me has obviously had a big impact and I knew over my lifespan with him he had major impacts on other people, but I didn't understand the magnitude of it. Um, when I was, you know, up in, up in Albany, you know, um, at St. Pete's in the hospital and God bless, uh, uh, Carrie Lockhart. Um, she, she was a freaking angel while I was there. I just want to, you know, give her a shout out, but, um, you know, during my dad's transition, being in the hospital for a month, um, I didn't, and I knew the, the scope of it, but I didn't know how far the impact through sports, um, but just as a person too, but through sports, just, just like Danny, he would talk to anybody, right? He never, you know, race, color, creed, religion, never, you know, had an opinion, never made an opinion or a judgment on anybody until he had the opportunity to talk to him. Right. Um, but he had such a far reach because of sports and, you know, in the community, in Albany, um, in Colony the amount of people that he actually impacted in a positive way, even though, like you said, it could have been very boisterous, loud, you know, whatever. It was always in a place where it was in your best interest. I'm trying to get you one. I'm trying to win because I'm, I, I, I like to win. And secondly, you can be better than I, you need me 
to help you to be better than you are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was nuts, nuts to go through that process. And, uh, you know, lucky enough, like you said, that was the last time we saw each other. Yeah. Um, and we've been, you know, we've been texting and, and DM and PM and whatever we socialize through social media, but, um, yeah, man, I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the cash. We can probably talk for another three to four hours. God, I miss, miss colony. I, Rouse, big up to Rouse. Go to Rouse if you haven't been there in a while. Support them. I know you guys are up in New York are getting into phases where they're going to start opening stuff. And, you know, 25, 50. Go to Rouse. Go to Curvet Cream. Go through Curvet Cream drive through. Go freaking spend your money there. Um, you know, hit, hit our old, all of our old spots if you can. Yes. Um, we will definitely do this again. I, 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 I literally cannot express how grateful I am that you wanted to do this. Um, it was the longest podcast I've ever done. And hopefully we set records, man. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's how we do. And I don't give a shit if everybody stopped listening an hour and a half ago. Like it was, it was great to get to talk to you. Um, and, and, and to catch up a little bit, there are so many more things that we can talk about and we will, uh, you're going to, I got a bunch of shit lined up for this week. Uh, with, with DJ friends of mine and uh, artists that I know. So, but uh, I'm trying to get Hoffman on the podcast as well. He said he wanted to see how you did. I, and I was like, oh, so, and you said it, you're like, oh, I'm the guinea pig. I was like, I, I guess. Well, me and Derek can talk, you know, one thing I learned from Derek, a lot of things I learned from Derek. One thing was to never call your father Dick. Yeah, don't call your father Dick. You got to throw that story out. Real quick, I don't know how much time you have, but go ahead. Oh, I mean, I, it, it, I, I was not there for it. Here's what I – this is kind of what Derek broke it down with me as. Uh, is literally was like, hey, don't ever call Mr. Halleck Dick. And I'm like, okay, I never would have. Like, that didn't even cross my mind because of the amount of time that I knew him up till that point where we were only in high school. And right. it was uh, – I, you guys I, – because I wasn't there. So you guys were doing whatever or wherever you guys – I'm not even sure where the hell anybody was. But Derek, I think it was the first time meeting your dad, like face-to-face, and was like – literally said, hey, Dick. And your dad looked at him very stoic and went, it's Mr. Halleck. And Derek was like, Right. <laughs> and I was like, when he told me, and I just, I remember looking at Derek and being like, you called Mr. Halleck Dick to his face? Why? What was wrong with you? <laughs> like, because I knew. I mean, but he was never, like, I knew, I knew his first name. I knew his name was Richard. But I right. never, I never, it never crossed my mind because of his coaching and just being, he was always Mr. Halleck. Your mother is still Mrs. Halleck. Like, that's. Yes, yeah. And then, and then there's other people where I'm just, you know, actually, no, that's not true. Cause like I've run into Chris Rosebeck's parents and he's still Mr. Rosebeck and, you know, Mrs. Rosebeck and, and stuff like that. Um, but nowadays, dude, like my kids call adults by their first name, but they know them. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's trippy. It's funny. I mean, back in our day, you know, there was a, a sense of respect and it was our upbringing, yep. you know, from our parents and, um, <laughs> you know, I, God, I, I don't want to. I don't want to continue to bring it back to myself, but I have a sense of doing that sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the more rewarding things, um, you know, trying to, to, to do, 
do right by my father and, and live out his legacy and having an impact on people, um, you know, through coaching or through work, you know, um, you know, working with young business professionals. I, I love to do that. Um, is especially the, the kids, you know, the kids that I coach in softball and baseball, when I see them out in public, like in and around town, i.e. like my father did when he would run to wherever, down to Bumby's at the end of the hill at Sand Creek or, you know, over at Hannaford or wherever. Oh, you, just, you just threw out a Bumby's reference. Holy shit. Yeah, dude, Bumby's. I, I, we used to clear out the freaking uh, Arizona iced teas from there. And goddamn butter rolls. If you freaking New Yorkers don't continue to eat butter rolls, I freaking miss that shit so much. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I missed me a Kaiser roll with the butter man wrapped in that cellophane. Um, you get that in Florida. <laughs> but uh, I see kids out in the area at restaurants or whatever. You know, even if I go to practice, I just go to practices that I'm not even involved in. I go games. They call me Coach Halleck. Right. Um, and, and uh, or Coach Matt, I should say. I'm sorry to, to bring that. Call me Coach Matt. And, and they don't need to do that. Like, I'm not coaching them anymore. Um, but I know that I've done, in my eyes and in my opinion, by the way that I was brought up with my dad's impact and the way, you know, I had an impact on somebody. And that's all. I, I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for them. Right. But the return that I'm getting is the respect from the kids that, you know, like you said, are 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Nowadays are calling, you know, people or, or adults in their 30s, 40s, and 50s by the first name. I don't get much of that. Um, right. and, and it makes me proud and happy because I know that I've had a, a, a big impact. And it's not because I told them to do this drill and flatten their bat out or, you know, <laughs> don't step here, or open up or do this. I actually got to know the kid and like talk to them as a normal kid. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of what my dad did. Was he going to correct you when you were wrong? absolutely he wasn't going to do his job as a coach he wouldn't do his job if he wasn't correcting you he wasn't doing a job as a coach but my right. dad would all talk to you as like a human yep. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah when he wasn't um, when he wasn't coaching he would talk to you as a person which i thought was wicked awesome i ran into him i think the last time i actually ran into him was raider fest a, a few years back um, oh yeah him and your mother were there and i had just gotten done because I, I kind of walked right into Raider Fest by accident where they approached one of our radio stations to help with it. And the day it was happening, the guy that they asked from the other station couldn't do it and was like, he brought me the flyer. And he's like, yo, can you do anything with this? And I looked and I was like, as I look over it, and originally, as soon as I saw it and saw that it was Colony, I knew I was going to help with whatever I could right. because it was, it was a Colony high thing. Flip it over on the back, you know, uh, please contact Tom Cachadurian. Oh, Jesus. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely in. I was like, let him know. They're like, and my buddy was like, really, that quick? I'm like, well, first of all, I graduated with this guy who's the principal. <laughs> I was like, yep. you know, so I've gotten myself involved in some stuff with Colony, which I think is – I, I do just because – don't get me wrong. It's not like my time at Colony High was any kind of legendary high school career because – I barely got out of there. Um, but I love the area, the school. I love helping Tom out. Chris Robilotti is the principal, principal, like the head principal. Yep. Tommy's an associate principal. Uh, 
So anyway, what I was saying was I got done working at Raider Fest that day. And as I'm getting, you know, I'm walking to my car and I turn and look and I was like, oh, Mr. Halleck. And he turns and looks, Dennis, how are you? I mean, we talked probably for a good five, 10 minutes, just BSing back and forth, him and your mom and uh, on our way. And I think that was probably one of the last times I really ran into him at anything. But I, then again, I tried to be involved in Raider Fest every year and every year they do it is on a date where I'm out of town at a dance competition. So I'm like, yeah, I can't do nothing, bro. Sorry, Tom. And I was like, you got to change yeah. these. Week- I was like, you got to change these weekends, dude. I was like, I'm not around. You got to switch it up. And but no, it's great. Man. And you know what? I, I, I want to challenge everybody alumni, you know, I, you know, and I've been socializing and Dennis has been a big part of this, um, you know, leading into this podcast. Um, you know, I've, you know, taken a step back, um, really pushing a lot on social. I know that you guys have been viewing, you know, running down memory lane, but things in high school, like I, I just, I have so much love for Colony. Um, and Dennis has been a big one. It's been a big part of it through it. And then him and I have been talking a lot, um, you know, giving back to the community, man. I want to get that place kind of back to, you know, what we can attempt to do like we did um, and, and really pushing you know, Colony as, as a premier spot to, to raise a family, which a lot of people are doing now, but yeah. the community aspect isn't what it was, you know, back when we grew up. So been trying to do a lot of those things, you know, trying to make a lot of things happen with the Blue House on Sand Creek Road. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned for that one, by the way. That is, that is epic. So, you know, if, if you can make that happen, uh, I know there are a lot of people in your corner up here that will do whatever they can, my, you know, present right. included, because I will definitely, no matter, you know, regardless of what it is, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily, if it were to happen, don't ask me to hammer anything. Um, but <laughs> you can over, you, you would provide the music to the label. There you go. There you go. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're trying to refurbish the place, the last thing you want is me helping. Like, no, Dennis, <laughs> we're trying to make it look better. Right. <laughs> But I thought that I thought that wall needed a hole in it. I don't know what to tell you. I just, um, but listen, I, I do want to wrap it up. Um, and there are so many other topics that I want to get to, uh, as, as ironic as this is the two and a half hours that it's been is a precursor to what else we can talk about. Um, more. And I think, you know, in, in future times when you have the time to sit and chat, uh, cause I always do, um, is God, that makes me sound like such a loser. I'm, <laughs> I'm always free. I don't do shit, but, uh, no, because I do want to get into a lot of stuff. Not today. Um, perspective on life, positivity, uh, just some of the stuff that I see coming from you all the time that I know you've picked up quite a bit of stuff from Gary V. I follow him on social as well. I would never send my kid to any of his lectures because he curses in front of third graders like he's talking right. about you and I, but whatever. Um, I, I, and so there, there's a lot of stuff, sneakers, uh, more sports, uh, more stories. That, and, and this was just a – we barely scratched the surface. So, dude, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, and, and I will give you the shot now. As I mean, if listen, if somebody made it through all of this – and listen to the entire thing. First of all, thank you so much. Uh, hit your socials because you are doing stuff on your socials as far as hitting goes, uh, live free lessons. Also, 
one-on-one -on -one lessons with you. So hit your social, your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever the Christ you have. I don't know. I'm all over. Yeah, I'm all over the place, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. First off, you know, bless up to 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 D Scott Dennis, uh, D as I call him, as I always have, probably since he's been two year old rocking that white <laughs> freaking top hat. I, I I was socialized that picture right after this, after he uh after he airs the podcast, so you can see what we're talking about. But uh, uh well, Dennis, well, appreciate I, that. Know, Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> No, I want to thank you for the forum, right? Um, you know, uh, if you guys aren't listening to this podcast, continue to do so, man. It's it's an open forum of discussion. Um, always good content, fun stuff to listen to. Um, been been blessed. Shot probably number fifteen, so you're probably hacking a bag by this time. Um, but uh, um, and yeah, welcome any opportunity in the future to continue to go down memory lane of, of colony. Um, talk landmarks in the area, talk about high school, middle school. Um, yeah, would love to, Dennis, get more into just positivity, you know, perception, perspective. A lot of things that I talk about in my professional corporate career and I talk to my kids about um, because we have, a, we have a short time, you know, on this planet to, to do the right things, uh, in my opinion, right? These are all, again, I'll preface that these are all my opinions. I, I'm not saying these are the way things are, should be, but um, yeah, I, I welcome the opportunity to be to be a guest in the future. But plug away, obviously, um, mhalic23 um, on on Insta, Facebook. Look me up, Matthew Halleck. Uh, um, most of you guys are already following Twitter. I got to start jumping on and being a little bit more uh, social and pushing out some content. But if you want once a week, every week, um, I'll probably be dropping it tomorrow, date time of. Uh, um, hitting lessons pretty much uh, in the garage. I'll be doing live either on IG Live or Facebook uh, once a week. Um, next week will be kind of youth uh, um, tips and tricks, mistakes. JT will be in the house, smacking balls all over the fucking garage. It'll be it'll be wild. Uh, week three going into the week of the 25th of this month. Um, we'll do an advanced hitting kind of approach mindset at the plate with Jaden Riskowski. Um, she's a local uh, Newsom High School uh, junior right now that's committed to Clemson. Um, so D1 power lefty. Um, we'll go through her routine and I'll talk and shop a little bit about my college career and approach and what she does uh, going into a major uh, power five D1 conference. So that'll be a cool one um, if you guys want a little bit more advanced stuff. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens. If you guys want virtual lessons, um, hit me up, man. Uh, first session's free, 30 minutes. Love to talk to your kids or any family members. Uh, yeah, and I'm hustling. You want you want to know about side hustle, Gary V, flipping and selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace? Hit me up. Uh, made some money there. It's fun. But yeah, I appreciate it, D man. It was a uh, it was a good chat with you. My my absolute pleasure, man. Uh, we'll we will wrap it up as always. Like it, subscribe to it, follow it, the podcast, please, and thank you. It's it's everywhere. Uh, but I prefer iHeartRadio because that's who I work for. So please do that. Um, dude, thank you. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, man. Wu-Tang killer bees on the swarm. Hit it up. Go listen to <laughs> nice. <laughs>